and welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. A little delayed there getting the show off the ground, but we hope you are here and enjoying it with us. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, we are on air on an earlier time, which has completely got me thrown off. <laughs> it's a little crazy, um, but we hope you are here uh, and enjoying it. If you joined us on the marathon, thank you very much. Certainly was a blast. Um, but we are now rolling through this one. Uh, we have plenty more to talk about. It's not like we don't have uh, things to cover here in Division Three necessarily, uh, even if we did spend 14 hours more spending it on the Hoopsville Marathon. Um, this is a Super Sunday edition of the show, which means, uh, or semi-Super Sunday we're calling it, which means we have lots to talk about, but we're not on the air at 7 o'clock. We're not going to compete with the Super Bowl. The only time we're going to compete with something major will be the Oscars at the end of the month because, gosh darn it, Selection Sunday deserves that. Um, but if you really want to watch the Oscars over what uh, we're doing on Selection Sunday, um, that's up to you. Go right ahead. Uh, in our point of view, we want to figure out who's in the NCAA tournament, who's not, et cetera, et cetera, and that will make for a fun show. On that particular Sunday, February 28th, we are three weeks from that point today um, and lots to talk about. I wanted in this first segment to talk about all the recent buzzer beaters. We're going to have to wait due to the fact that this show is six hours earlier in the day than it normally is. I don't have all my ducks in a row, so we'll wait to put that at the very end of the show. This show's supposed to go till 4. I can tell you right now it's going to go to closer to 3. I mean, I'm supposed to go, go to 3. It's, it's going to go closer to 4. Um, just due to the nature of some things here, uh, we apologize for that. But nonetheless, um, lots to talk about here in Division 3. And obviously, being our, earlier in the show, uh, we also have uh, other things to deal with. Now, if you're watching on the pod, listening to the podcast, you've gotten all this. If you're listening to the video, we've just started. I apologize to those on the stream. We have just gotten up and running, um, and we are here now, back on the show, on the stream. We apologize for the delay. Um, so, podcast, you got a little bit of a, a bonus there. A live on the stream, let's get back to what we were talking about. First and foremost, we are on the air at 1 today versus 7 o'clock, mainly because of the Super Bowl. We don't want to get in the way of that. Don't expect you to tune into Hoopsville while the show uh, game is on, and I wouldn't mind watching the big game myself either. Now, that won't be the case on February 28th, because on February 28th, we will, gosh darn it, be on the air despite the Oscars. Uh, it'll be Selection Sunday. Three weeks from now, we'll be talking about who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament. That is certainly a major factor to talk about, and so we will do so despite the Oscars. Uh, if you really want to watch the Oscars versus us that night, so be it. We're not going to get in your way, but we're going to be talking about who's in, who's out. We're going to prognosticate who we think is in and out. We'll talk about those, talk to some of those who may be on the bubble as well. Uh, if you have questions for us, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studio. If you've got questions for us, you can tune in uh, or join us on Instagram now at D3Hoopsville. You can also join us on Twitter uh, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville and join us uh, as well um, uh, or email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Um, because we're on earlier today, we have a number of things going on, including uh, scores, and so we'll try and keep you up to date on those as we got some thrillers going on, including in the UAA, and Chicago is reeling, but not without some incredible finishes. Here's what's happened on the men's side at Rochester. Uh, Jake Fenley hit a three-pointer with 1.4 seconds left. Uh, Chicago finishes regulation on a 15-3 to run to tie the game at 66 
and force overtime. So Chicago rallies after they've lost three in a row, rally against Rochester to force overtime, but Rochester scores the final four points or scores four points in the final two seconds of overtime to beat Chicago 77-76. Chicago has now lost four in a row. In the meantime, um, by the way, uh, update on that, Burr Smith misses a second free throw on purpose, uh, finds Montague for a game-winning three at the buzzer. So not only do they score four in the final two minutes, but Smith misses a free throw on purpose, able to get the rebound, hits his teammate for a three to win the game. Mind-blowing. Another buzzer beater in Division Three, And like I said, Chicago's struggling here as they are uh, now lost four in a row after leading the UAA. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Wash U and, Elm, uh, and, and uh, Emory are playing, and Wash U is trailing Emory 46-44 with 12, uh, 15 minutes left to go in the second. So we'll keep an eye on that. If you remember, Emory is now trying to kind of position themselves here um, to take control of the UAA, something I'll freely admit did not see that coming. Um, on the UAA men's side of things, Emory going into today had a one-game lead on Ch- on Rochester, a two-game lead on NYU and Chicago. Emory seven and one, Chicago five and three. Now Chicago five and four. Rochester now seven and two. Um, it's it's mind blowing. Uh, what is going on in the UAA and what a difference two weeks has made. Chicago now is going to be in trouble to make the NCAA tournament. Let's be blunt. Absolute trouble. Uh, I'm making sure I got the right record there, though. Yeah, so they are now 14-6 and six overall, having lost four in a row. They are 5-4 and four in the conference. Without the UAA automatic bid, they get thrown into the central region for an automatic bid, and we're talking CCIW, WIAC, um, Benedictine's going to probably steal a bid even if they lose in conference. It, it is a, it's a dog pile in there in that con, in that region, and Chicago, who was looking great two weeks ago, is in trouble. And it's amazing to see how it's amazing how a season can flip just like that. Can Chicago recover? They got two games at home next weekend: Carnegie Mellon and Case Western Reserve. One would hope they can get two wins there. Then they are on the road, NYU Brandeis, before finishing at home against Wash U. Five games left at this point, all must wins. And then you're going to have to get some help. Uh, You're going to need Wash U today, for example, to beat Emory. And you're going to need Rochester to take a couple lumps. Um, Unbelievable change, just like that, folks, uh, in in quick succession. Uh, And that's what we're going to be watching today. Let's see, uh, on the women's side of things... Hold on a second. Uh, obviously, the UAA games have not started yet. Um, we will get uh, WashU and Emory soon, NYU and Case Western soon. Chicago and Rochester should be starting any, or those two previous games will start in about an hour. Uh, Chicago, Rochester, obviously, because the game went to overtime, will be a little bit delayed, but it'll be coming up here uh, relatively soon. Uh, other games we'll keep an eye on, uh, other games uh, throughout the day. Uh, obviously, there's some next NESCAC games taking place today on the men's and women's side as well. So we'll keep an eye on some uh, some SAA games, et cetera. So we'll keep an eye on those throughout the rest of the show. 
Uh, we talked about buzzer beaters. Maybe I can get to one. Uh, one of them, for example, was uh, on. Uh, did you see the the, the craziness? Uh, hold on, I gotta find this one. Here we go. Um, nope, I don't have. Oh darn it! We're gonna have to find this. See if I can do it quickly here. This is what happens when you have a show six hours earlier than you normally do. Kind of kind of screws things up. Um, you just don't have the time to put everything together. Uh, let's let's talk Rippin basketball, shall we? Uh, they had an unbelievable finish. We'll call that one up. Tyler Sabin, who I think let's see, he put up uh, a ton of points, fifty-one points on eleven three-pointers, including the game winner against Cornell. Got to check this one out to be sure. We'll show it here. Hopefully you can hear it. Uh, I don't think I've got it. I, yeah, there we go. We'll see if we can do here. And uh, here's here's Saban's winner for Rippin. McCoy to Katz. Katz, there's going to be Saban. He's going to put it up. Saban sinks it. Saban sinks it at the buzzer. How about that, huh? Unbelievable uh, shot there for Rippin uh, and Saban to, to win that game. Uh, there was a top uh, play um, in for ESPN. I'm trying to get to him. Forgive me. Uh, like I said, six hours earlier, you can't get to all these things as much as you want to. Um, let's see. Here we go. Uh, we had one for Utica that was pretty impressive. Uh, remember, Kevin Connors was on the show uh, from ESPN on the Hoopsville Marathon. We kind of joked about getting more Division Three coverage, uh, and he basically said, you know, he's trying. Well, he tweeted at me about this one. This ended up being number two on the ESPN Top Sports Center Top Ten on Saturday, and it is, or maybe it was Friday. To be honest with you, I've forgotten. It is well worth the look. Check it out. It is Mayors and Taylor for the Pioneers, Bays and Leonardi. Long toss, out to two, and shot at the horn. Is it a pitch in? It is in, and it should count, and that will be a game winner. Robert two in, an unbelievable circus shot, buries the game. Here's Bays and Leonardi. Long toss, out to two, and shot at the horn. Is it a pitch in? It is in, and it should count, and that will be a game I mean, just, just, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous from, from Utica. That shot didn't certainly deserve to go in. Uh, and then Wisconsin Lutherans, uh, let's see here. Where is it here? Uh, Wisconsin Lutherans, Tainer, she, uh, I believe it's Chev, uh, hit back-to-back game winners in games. Um, let's see. I think this is, hold on. Again, folks, trying to get these all queued up for you. So we're going to show you the first one he hit. This one was on the 30th of February. Or February, yeah. There's no such thing. This is the 30th of January. Check out what he does here. That was obviously the entire sequence of the play, uh, making up for the the near buzzer beater on the other end. And then the next day against uh, MSOE, 
He repeats the he repeats the trick. 70, 28 seconds left. Raiders can hope for the final shot. We might have overtime here tonight. Stick crossing into the front court, and he will dribble things down at the timeline. 14 down to 13. Noak will put pressure on him. Now he backs off. 10 seconds down to nine. Stick to his right. Seven now six down to five in the corner. Cybert for three in the lead. No good. Short. Moreau's rebound. Outlet to Shivi. One second half court shot. Counts if it goes. He got it. Tanner Shivi hit a half court shot at the buzzer and the. Down to 13. Noak will put pressure on him. Now he backs off. 10 seconds down to nine. Stick. To his right, seven, now six, down to five in the corner. Seibert for three in the lead, no good, short. Moreau's rebound, outlet to Shivi, one second, half-court shot, counts if it goes, he got it! Tanner Shivi hit a half-court shot at the buzzer. And the Tanner Shivi hits back-to-back -back game winners in back-to-back -back games. It's ridiculous. Now, if you happen to have seen the, video, or the graphic, now our graphics were covering it, um... It looks like the shot goes off before uh, or after the, the clock hits zero. Two things about that. One, that clock is not official. That's a thing called SportsCast. It's really cool. Pulls the data from um, the live scoreboard, but sometimes it's not quite in sync. It was slightly ahead, not to mention, in fact, it's not showing tenths of a second. But if you listen to the audio, clearly it is out of his hand in plenty of time. Unbelievable effort. I mean, back-to-back. Buzzer beaters. We have a whole host of them. We've had one, two, three, four, five of them in the last week. We can now add Rochester to the list, though we haven't seen it. If it comes up, we will get it for you and show you on the show probably at the end. Unbelievable buzzer beaters uh, this season. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I'm a loss for words as to what we've had in the last week in terms of buzzer beaters and getting some recognition on sports center ain't too bad either. Kevin Connor is coming through for the brethren. His, his great line, by the way, on the Utica shot was I played on that court. I didn't play much, but I played on that Elmira court. Uh, scoring update, five minutes left to go in the game. Emery's clinging to a lead against Wash U, 60-59. That's going to be important. Emery loses that game in men's basketball. They fall into a tie with Rochester and keep Chicago's hopes alive. Uh, so a lot of things going on in the UAA we will keep track of, to say the least. Um... So, yeah, there you go. We're going to take a break. Uh, here's what we've got ahead of us. If we've got it in the right order, I apologize here. Uh, we've got a lot going on. First and foremost, uh, Joe Logren from uh, Rutgers Newark will join us, talk about his team and the race for the NJAC title. Ken uh, Colbull will join us from Wisconsin Lacrosse. Shocker, they're in the lead of the WIAC. Whitewater and Stevens Point are a couple games back, and it is a dogfight of a race in the WIAC this year. We haven't seen this in years. We'll talk to him about the race on the men's side. Jessica Skelton will join us from SUNY Poly on the women's side. For those of you kind of going, huh? I don't get it. She's playing today. Yeah, we made a mistake in scheduling. She is playing today, and as they take the floor, she will talk to us in a pre-recorded segment. We aren't talking to her as they start the game. Then coming up, Stephanie Flamini from Guilford will talk to us. She'll talk about the race to the ODAC there on top, the Guilford Quakers, and playing pretty darn good basketball. And then we'll go to an interview we were supposed to air on Sunday's marathon but ran out of time. If you can believe it, in a 12-hour scheduled show, we ran out of time. Danielle Donahoe, the WBCA Executive Director, will join us in our WBCA Center Court segment. It's a segment I actually taped back in San Antonio. It will allude to the marathon a little bit because, again, the plan was to run it on Thursday, but it was A, longer than we thought, and B, we actually overbooked the show, if you can believe it. 
Uh, we'll talk to her coming up here on Hoopsville as well. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studio. When we come back, we'll go into the Atlantic region and talk Rutgers Newark men's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it get involved. You can make a difference. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. And you can also join us uh, on Instagram at d3hoopsville. Uh, we hope you uh, have time to do all of that and uh, join us accordingly. Trying to balance the uh, the new uh, Instagram with Twitter stuff. It's not foolproof yet. We're still going to have to work on a few things, but we'll do our best no matter what. 
Um, we're going to start talking guests here, but of course we'll keep track of what's going on uh, around the rest of the country in terms of scores and such after a crazy, again, finish between Rochester and Chicago in men's basketball action. But heading back, we're going to go into the Atlantic region, one of those regions we certainly talk a, a lot to, about on uh, Sundays. We talk about the uh, the uh, Atlantic. We talk about the Northeast. We talk about the East. Well, today we're going to be talking about the East for some reason. I, I booked an East guest and not a Northeast guest, so forgive me. Uh, we'll tackle uh, Northeast down the road. We'll also talk Central and South region today. A little bit of a screw-up post-Hoopsville Marathon on my end, but we'll get to all of those. Uh, accordingly. Um, but again, on the Atlantic side of things, on the men's side, it's the NJAC certainly has one of the more fa- fascinating races, and they always have a rather fascinating race this time uh, of year. Uh, one of those teams that certainly is always a favorite in the last few years has been uh, Rutgers Newark, uh, winners of 20 games or nearly 20 games almost every season since back in 2010. Uh, and they're doing another stellar job this season 16 and 6 so far, uh, 11 and 4 in conference. Uh, coming off of a, a win over William Patterson last night with three games left, uh, trying to jockey for position in the uh, conference. They're only a game back of Stockton and New Jersey City for the lead, and certainly that is an important factor for them. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, uh, Joe Lager. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time out of what I know what is a busy schedule. Uh, obviously, the last six games have seen a couple losses which I know as a coach you're, you're probably a little frustrated by, one of them to Stockton and one of them to New Jersey City, the two teams you're chasing. But you still got a chance with three to play. What are your hopes of uh, locking up that number one or at least making a, a play at it? Yeah, it's a, unfortunately for us, it's a little bit out of our control. We've gotten yeah. swept by Stockton and Jersey City, so we just got to control what we can and just play really good basketball here with three games left, uh, three conference opponents that are pretty good, and, um, and so we've just got to worry about ourselves now and let, kind of let the chips fall where they may. Three games to play, obviously two of them on the road, Rutgers-Newark, then home against Rowan, and then uh, on the road against Ramapo, all teams that are behind you. So not only is it important to try and you know have a chance if Stockton and New yep. Jersey slip up to get number one, but at the same time keep yourself kind of where you are in that number three slot, is it not? Yeah, no question, no question. Uh, you know, because, you know, we'll get a first-round home game, and, you know, seeding's important. Um and listen, Ramapo's right there. I think they're as good as, as anybody else in the league, and I don't think they get talked about enough. Uh, but TCNJ's had a really good season with a new coach, and same with uh, Mocklair. They got a new coach, and he's doing a really good job. So uh, those are the six teams that are kind of jockeying for position that, you know, uh, again, I think any one of them have a chance to win this thing. That's the interesting thing is the NJAC certainly is competitive. Uh, no one mm-hmm. would ever say it's not. Um, what would you say, though, is the hardest part of this conference, at least this season? You know, trying to win on the road. Uh, but I think that's kind of normal for most conferences. Again, I think our conference is unique because, as you know, they're all state schools in New Jersey. They're kids that play against each other in high school and summer league. So I think the games are probably a little more intense because of the in-state factor. Uh, but, again, winning on the road is the toughest thing you can do. Um, obviously, winning on the road is going to have to be important, though. Two of the next three games are on the yep. road. Obviously, you lost at home against Stockton and New Jersey City on the road recently, but as you pointed out, had been swept, so you had lost earlier in the season. But, you know, the, the January section had been pretty good for you guys. Yeah, lost to Arcadia earlier in the in the month, but you've yep. beaten Rutgers, Camden, and William Patterson, Ramapo, and Rowan, all the teams, Montclair State and New Jersey City, all the teams that you needed to beat and obviously have mm-hmm. coming up as well. 
but when you guys beat each other up in the NJAC so much, how is it? How hard is it to keep the guys kind of on task and not discouraged? Uh, I, I I don't think it's that hard. I think it's I, I think our guys kind of you know I think really good teams want that you know, and I think in the, the day if you're going to try to make that next step, you got to win those tough games. And then the next step is get to the NCAA tournament and try to win some games in the NCAA tournament. So I think our league does a pretty good job, I think, of preparing teams uh, for the NCAA tournament. I know the NJAC's been up and down in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, but Stockton had a pretty good run at it last year. Yeah. And we had a stretch where we made a good run, and then we had a stretch where, unfortunately for us, we kind of lost, you know, uh, a couple of years in the first round. So, you know, it is what it is. But I, I, and overall, I think it's pretty good. Uh, obviously, uh, the NJAC's not exactly looking the way it was supposed to have looked at the beginning of the season. There was a lot of, of, of positives they, for William Patterson, thought they'd be up yep. in the race. Uh, Stockton yep. certainly in the mix. New Jersey City wasn't supposed to necessarily be in the mix at the top. You guys certainly were. It's not right. like we're not used to things changing in the NJAC almost every single season and not playing out the way it was. But this year seems a little bit more uh, uh, turmoil, uh, full of turmoil than normal. Yeah, you know, the whole situation at William Patterson's is... Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's upsetting how that went down because Jose is one of the one of the best Division three coaches in the country, and so that's a story for another time. But right. Jersey City has done a tremendous job. Um, I think people may have overlooked them before. Coach Brown has done a great job, um, and his kids have really played hard. They're playing together, and they're gonna they're gonna be really good at tough out here at the end. But they, they've done a great job, and. You know, Stockton is what they are. They're they're always they're the team. They're the premier team in the league year in and year out. They're two time defending champion. Um, Ramapo had been quiet the last two years, but uh, that wasn't going to stay. Uh, that wasn't going to happen for too long. So they're right back in the mix. So overall, I, I think it's the teams that have been there. In, you know, over the last three or four years, are there again. You know, going to be competing for hopefully a conference title. Um, how much can you, re- you know, fall back to the beginning of the season and, and use anything that happened from then now? I mean, you had a win over Hunter and Washington Lee to start the season, had a loss to Gettysburg, obviously lost in New Jersey City, then went on a five-game winning streak, Stevens, Montclair State, New Jersey's, uh, College of New Jersey, Centenary and Kane, uh, four of those five at home. How much can you actually go back to those games and say, hey, guys, you remember this, or, hey, we need to, to, to do what we did in this game? Is the memory short enough? To let that work, or is the, or are you guys starting basically having to remember the more recent past? No, there were some lessons early on. We had lost some games, I thought, where we just didn't finish. Uh, you know, we were up in a couple of losses with five minutes left in the game, up seven, and don't win the game early in the year. And you know, we've talked a lot about finishing, um, finishing practice strong, finishing game strong, and you know, I, I think we've gotten better in that area. Uh, going on a couple, you know, winning streaks here uh, in January and hopefully here in February we'll continue. But, no, you, you go back to those early games and, and you know, you've got to – you don't want to make those same mistakes you made early in the year at the end of the year. So you have to constantly remind you guys it's about finishing. That was our problem early in the year, and that's what we're kind of focusing on now. Uh, Fifteen seasons at the helm of Rutgers Newark. Uh, obviously, as we said, 1920 wins for most of the, of the last five, six seasons – uh, and usually at the top of the end, Jack. Uh, but I have a feeling you're kind of chomping at the bit a little bit. The, the NCAA tournament has kind of escaped you guys in com- some capacities. If you make it, don't take advantage of it, or you just can't get there. Are you guys kind of itching a little bit here to get to the tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. I, I thought the last two years, and it's the thing we've talked about our team, is we got there three years ago, 
was a pretty good team. Yeah. Lose to Ramapo in the finals. The last two years, we've knocked on the door, you know, 19, 20 wins. And, you know, we were a couple, one or two regular season wins away the last two years to be back right in the NCAA tournament. For example, last year, you know, if we had one or two more regular season wins, we would have been in because our strength of schedule was at a .56. Last year, we, we go on the road to Washington and, and play Whitworth, beat them, and lose to Whitman, and that just skyrocketed our strength of schedule playing those two great teams. And we were there. We were close the last two years. And, you know, uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be close again. I think we're tired of saying we're close. I think <laughs> we're tired of saying that. And we want to get over the hump because that's a pretty good feeling to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, as you know, that, that it's not an easy thing to get there. And, and there's just so many good quality teams in the country. Uh, so hopefully we can get back and, and do our job here. How important is it this year? Seven seniors on the squad. Granted, in a lot of Venjack schools, you got a bunch of transfers, so that number's a little deceiving. It's not like maybe they've been there four years, and I don't want to make any assumptions they have. You certainly mm-hmm. have had a few, though. Uh, mm-hmm. At least one, two, three, four, five. Actually, six guys have been there six of those years. So you're mm-hmm. one of those with longevity. Uh, how, much, how important, though, maybe is it this season uh, to maybe win the NJAC to certainly guarantee the AQ or at least hope you can get in that large bit if you position yourself right? Yeah, I mean, when you have a senior-related team, it, it, you really want your seniors to take over. And we're trying to get to that point. And, and you know, we're, st- we're, still de- we're still trying to win our first NJAC championship. We've lost in the NJAC championship game two or three times. And, you know, but, but this program has made great strides since we've taken over and get to the NCAA tournament, which has never been done. Uh, but we, we want to get over the hump and get our first championship. And, and for this group of seniors, they're great kids. Uh, they do everything right on and off the court. And they really have done a good job working hard. And so more, more than anything, I want it for them that they can go ahead and experience this. And, you know, you get the automatic. It just takes the, it takes the pressure off. You know you're automatically in it. You can get in and win the conference championship. The last two times we've been in, we've been in that large. You kind of have to wait to the 24th hour to find out if you're in the tournament. And that's not a great feeling either. So sure. uh, control what you can control and go ahead and try to win the whole thing. Um, it's interesting. A lot of teams I've talked to this season, especially those who have been senior laden, have actually had a lot of underclassmen kind of step up to the plate. It's been a little bit different this year. They've been the ones leading the way. It's interesting. Your team is is what you traditionally see, uh, usually. Uh, senior laden, which means senior yeah. driven. Um, all but uh, one of the guys in the top five is a senior. You're led by Jordan mm-hmm. McDaniel, 20 points a game, seven rebounds a game, uh, assisting a half a game, shooting about 53%, 40% from outside. Uh, John Snow, another senior, nearly or 18 and a half points a game, six rebounds a game. Uh, David Azora, uh, another mm-hmm. senior, 12 points a game, five and yep. a half rebounds. Uh, you got to get to Tyler O'Frey uh, to be a sophomore at 8.3, and then you're back to a senior in Ricky Stevens at 5.5 points a mm-hmm. game. So this is really an important year, and you've got a lot of senior kind of guidance, leadership, et cetera, on the floor. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, we're getting better in that area. It's the thing that I think we struggled a little bit early with our seniors, but they, they, they I think they're going to start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now, and, they, and that, and they, they've really progressed in that area of taking over ownership and, and taking over our leadership role. And we have to continue to get better at that, even though we got three games left. That's kind of a goal here is to play our best basketball and our seniors to step up and lead a little bit more. Uh, but like you mentioned, Tyler Oprah, he's a really good underclassman, so he's our point guard. And, He's got a really bright future in front of him. So we have a really good mix, and hopefully at the end of the day when uh, you know the playoffs start, we're playing our best basketball. 
Um, interestingly enough, uh, you kind of have an interesting finish here because the last three games are kind of a ramp up. You start with the bottom dwelling uh, Rutgers Camden team is two and nineteen, one and fourteen in the conference. Then you play Rowan eight and fourteen, five and ten, and then you finish with Ramapo, who's sitting right behind you, a game behind you. Uh, in fourth place at 14 and 8, 10 and 5. So an interesting uh, opportunity here. You you play teams you need to beat and should beat, but at the same time you're you're ratcheting up the competition heading into the tournament. You're not going to necessarily have a a lull game the day you know the game before the tournament or anything along those lines. No, um, you know it's interesting you bring up Ramapo. It's easy to go ahead and look at that game, but we've got to take care of business on Wednesday. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've gone down to Camden uh, in my years here and lost down there and not played well. It's a very tough place to play. So it's just really constrained at one game at a time. Um, and, and our guys, I think, are aware of that. And, and then, too, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you know, Ramapo is going to be a dogfight. And, and, and the whole key is for every team in the league is play your best basketball at the end of the season. And we're going to try to thrive for it. We need to play well each game here and, and then hopefully – you know, when we do get into the tournament, we're ready to go and play our best basketball with no excuses, no nothing, and we're ready to go. And that's that's kind of our goal right now. How does this conference, or, or how do you guys maybe stack up in the rest of this Atlantic uh, region? You've pretty much played most of the Atlantic region. Uh, you've played Cuniac, you've played the Mac Freedom. Um, I, jeez, I, I'm trying to remember who you you haven't played. Um, how do you think you guys personally stack up in this region? How do you think you may get uh, regionally ranked? If you get regionally ranked, obviously there's a, the equation. There. Yeah, I'll be honest, Dave. I haven't followed the rest of the Atlantic region that closely. I've just been so consumed with us in our league. Um, so I haven't followed too much of what the other leagues are doing. I know uh, Staten Island's having a good year. Um, I know Arcadia's having a pretty good year. But I, So I can't fully answer that question. I just haven't been in tune to what the other teams in our region have done. I just kind of really been in tune to what our league has uh, done and, and what we've been doing. Uh, you probably may have a better answer than that than, than I would, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know right at this point in time. i got to wait yeah. till those darn regional rankings uh, show their faces. Come when, uh, when, do they, when, when do they come out? You get to see them Wednesday. Wednesday's our first okay. ones. Um, okay. When you look at your team um, and you look at the season so far, what's been the biggest growth that you've had? Um. You know, our seniors kind of growing up a little bit and becoming better leaders. I think, you know, everybody was trying to rely on somebody else to do that, and, and I think we've gotten better in that area. And as we make a push here, you know, it's an area that we have to continue to get better at. Um, and some of our young guys, that got, we had a couple freshmen that played a little bit early in the year, kind of went through the freshman slump. They're kind of getting back on track now. So that progress has been good. And, you know, we're just trying to find ways also to be more consistent. We've been really good in games where we've had a great half and then not a great half. And so that's an area that I think we've gotten a little bit better in. And we're an area that obviously we really want to sew up and get better in as we get into the playoffs. Hey, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know you're busy today. Uh, obviously a lot going on, um, but obviously some big games coming up. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and, and give us a lowdown of what's going on. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, no, but you guys do a great job, and I appreciate your sport, obviously, for Division Three basketball, and you guys do a great job covering us. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Coach. Okay. Take care, and Bye -bye. we'll talk to you soon. Good. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye. Joe Logren joining us here on Hoopsville. Team is, again, 16-6 and overall, 11-4 and in conference action. Three games left at Rutgers-Newark, at home against Rowan, and then on the road against Ramapo. 
That's a ramp up, as I said. Obviously, a lot on the line. They want to at least keep that third-place position and take advantage should Stockton or New Jersey City stumble in the end to pick up maybe enough to get into first and certainly second place as well. Granted, they're working against the tiebreak. Those two teams ahead of them have beaten them uh, in conference uh, in both games, I should point out. Uh, Scoring update, Emory holds on, beats Wash U 74-73. So Emory now has still has the game lead on Rochester and has pulled itself away from Chicago. Chicago's in trouble. Um, may not make the NCAA tournament. I hate to say it. Um, they're going to need to kind of push themselves just a little bit, as will everybody else. It'll be fascinating to watch the UAA the rest of the way. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. Remember, in the UAA, there's no conference tournament. So while we're talking three weeks out now from the selection shows, for most conferences, uh, NESCAC accepted, um, we're talking about two weeks of, of basketball and then the third week being the conference tournament. NESCAC will start that one weekend in advance, so they basically have a week and a half left of regular season, and then we'll start that. On on the UAA, they play all the way through that last weekend. So there's still three weekends of regular season left. There's two games next weekend, two games the following, and then that final weekend where Chicago will play Wash U. Five games left in the next three weeks. A lot to play for still in the UAA as they have just literally this weekend was the turn into the second half of conference play. Well, most conferences had already started that weeks ago. So a lot to still be played in the UAA. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Fascinating to say the least. I'm going to take another break. When we come back, we'll go out to Wisconsin. Talk about another crazy race going on. The WIAC men's race. Not what you would expect. It's a little bit. (laughs) Well, it's hard to understand. We'll figure it out because lacrosse's head coach will come out and probably give his thoughts. He's in first place in the conference, but for how long? You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Division 3 allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three Athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. 
I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville as well. Of course, Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. want to thank everybody who helped us out with the marathon, including the crazy happy hour that went <clears throat> two hours plus. Uh, we went 14 and a half hours with that show. Actually, I think the marathon went more like three hours. I mean, the... Uh, Happy hour. Of course, it's all part of the fundraising campaign. We'll talk about more later, but it, please, uh, we've been tweeting out that link. It's on our show pages all over the place. Please uh, don't be shy and, and help us. We could use the help um, to be on to, to continue doing what we do here. It includes travel. It includes upke- upkeep of equipment. It includes a lot of other things that keep us on the air. Um, took it out of our pockets for 10 years, and it's hard to keep taking it out of our pockets, especially as uh, the quality is expected to, to improve. Uh, and uh, we want to have it improve. So help us to cover Division Three. Uh, you'll learn more about it. Uh, we can talk more about it at the end of the show, the Indiegogo fundraising campaign for Hoopsville. Talked about a great race in the NJAC and certainly how crazy it is, but there's another crazy race going on in the WIAC. It's not something you traditionally see every year. Usually Stevens Point and Whitewater over the last at least decade have dominated this. Either it's a two-horse race and then everybody else, sometimes Platteville gets in the mix or lacrosse or, or somebody. Uh, this year it's uh, a little bit crazier than that. Lacrosse leads away at 8-2. Uh, Eau Claire, River Falls are tied at 2nd and 7-2. and two. Then Oshkosh at 6-4. and four. You go down to 4-6 and six before you find Whitewater, Stevens Point, and Platteville in a three-horse race for 5th. Yeah, it's that crazy in the Y. Of course, top six make the playoffs in the YX. So Whitewater, Stevens Point, and Platteville are fighting just to make the playoffs. And we're talking about the last two uh, national champs. But that doesn't mean anything to lacrosse because lacrosse is leading the way and they're having a spectacular season. And they could be more than thrilled with the way things are taking place. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach. It is Ken Cable joining us from lacrosse. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, visiting with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, um, you got to be thrilled. You guys are sitting in first place in this conference. You've got a game lead on Eau Claire. Um, you've got uh, four games left, River Falls, Oshkosh, Eau Claire, and Stevens Point. Um, did you expect to be sitting in the catbird seat at this point in the season? Well, you never know where you're going to be when you start. I, I thought <laughs> we could be a decent team, and obviously the league has unfolded. That's given us a little bit better opportunity. You've talked about Stevens Point and Whitewater, and traditionally they are at the top of our league, and um, they're not there right now, and it's opened up some opportunities for the rest of us. You know, we, we have a good league, and I think people know that, and we've had good teams in it. Um, and I feel like I've had good teams in my 13 years here at lacrosse, but when you have uh, 
in my 13 years, the national champ six times out of your league, it makes it a little bit more difficult to, to make your way through the league. And fortunately this year we're, we're doing a little bit better and, and sitting in a good position right now. Um, how much do you guys have to kind of keep it kind of tempered though at the same time? And obviously you still have four games left in the conference tournament and, and, and certainly you want it to come through your gym, but how much do you kind of keep, have to keep everybody even keeled with this opportunity and not, and not let it slip through your hands a little bit? Yeah, we're well aware of the fact that there's still a lot of challenges ahead of us. Um, and we've, we've talked all year about uh, what's next and just trying to take it uh, one possession at a time, one practice at a time, one game at a time. And our guys have done a great job of just uh, staying in the moment and not getting too far ahead of themselves and just trying to get better every opportunity they have. And, uh, and I think we're doing a good job of that, and we've got to keep doing it. Um, earlier this season, you guys kind of started the season a little rough. Lost three of your first four and five of your first, or uh, yeah, five of your first eight. Um, Augustana certainly welcomed you to the season unceremoniously. Uh, Hope beat you, uh, beat you up a little bit. Bethel got you guys, and um, uh, Co and Central certainly got the best of you. But it seems like that might have been the turning point on the season. It seems like you guys may have gained something from those losses. What was it? Well, we knew going in that we were going to have our hands full. We have an 18-man roster. Ten of our players are new to our program. Three of our starters are new to our program as well. So at the beginning of the year, I knew we were going to be a work in progress. And while teams get better, I knew going against an Augustana right out of the gate, going against Hope early, those were two teams that were much closer to finished products than we were. And so the thought process was if we can get challenged, hang in there, uh, survive some of those early challenges we can get better and fortunately we've been able to do that and uh, it's a lot of credit to our guys when you suffer some losses uh, you fear you're going to lose some confidence and our guys just hung together kept battling and we found ourselves in a better spot now um you've been 11 and 2 since that mark uh starting with a win over luther you beat laverne and caltech on a nice trip to the to southern california for for the holidays uh, came back home and got rolling with a win over Platt for Platteville and Eau Claire. Oshkosh tripped you up. Then you got a big win over Whitewater and Stout. Stevens Point then returned the favor, but then you've won four straight since, and you got four games left. And obviously, it starts with a game on the road at River Falls. Of course, River Falls sitting second in the tied for a second in the conference with Eau Claire. Um, what do you need to do to get past River Falls this coming this coming week? Well, River's uh, much. Uh bigger team more physical type team so we really need to handle that we did that pretty well the first time at our place uh they're inside guys they're going to pound it at us and uh, i thought we defended really well there and it's going to definitely start there river falls hasn't been a, a great place for us to go and play we've had our struggles up there um but a win last night against whitewater on the road was huge for us just in terms of continuing to build our confidence and giving our guys uh, that belief that, hey, we can get this done and we can find ways. And so we're just trying to keep building on momentum that we currently have, and it'll be a, a stiff challenge for us as we move uh, up to River Falls on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you guys have got to be prideful that the Wisconsin and Stevens Point have done so well over the years, win those national championships, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, while all the rest of you, unfortunately, had to stay home at the same time. So at the same time, you're prideful. You're probably a, a little bit resentful. Is it? Is it kind of feel good to be in the mix this season, maybe get your shot at the NCAA tournament? 
Well, it does, and and you go into every season with the thought process that hey, we got a chance to be good, we can make a move, but yet you got to survive the the battles of the WIAC, and that's what also makes it fun coaching in this league. You got to be at your best, uh, and if you're not, uh, you're going to struggle. And those teams like Stevens Point, Whitewater have been good, and our league has been so solid. So it's it's I'm I'm happy, I'm excited, I'm I'm proud to be in such a good league, but I also know that people will oftentimes look at how you've done from year to year and your record might not reflect a great season, but our teams are a lot better than sometimes I think our record reflects just because of the fact that we play against such high level teams and you got to, again, try to find ways to survive that. And this year, it's like I said, it's been a little bit more of an opportunity for, for some of the rest of us. So yeah. taking advantage right now. Absolutely. Take advantage of it as best you can. Let's talk about your team just a little bit. Uh, when you look at the makeup of this squad, it certainly feels young. It seems young. You only have, what, two seniors on the squad. You talked about all the freshmen who came in and the turnover you had, the three new starters to it, and what you guys have learned. That certainly bodes well for the future, makes you scary down the road. Um, is there any other nuances that you guys have figured out about yourselves just this season alone? Well, I think the thing that we've done as the season's moved on is we've definitely got more consistent with our play. And coaches talk about that all the time. If you're going to have a good team, you have to have multiple players that game in and game out deliver for you. And we've gotten that as we've moved into our conference play. A leader and really a key player for us has been Jared Staggy. He's been phenomenal just in terms of what he's done. Uh, it seems like the more we ask of him, the more he delivers. And he had a big night last night against Whitewater. Um, he's, he's scoring for us. He's defending for us. He's rebounding for us. And he's just such a solid leader. He just t- plays so steady. If you watch him on the floor, you wouldn't know if you're up by 20 or down by 20. Mm-hmm. He just uh, does it one way, and, and our guys are feeding off of him. Um, Devin Yurk player that's a senior here at UW Lacrosse, playing his first year of college basketball. We recruited him to UWL. Came here, decided not to play. Now in his last year on our campus, came up our team, second leading scorer here uh, for us and playing really well. He's just been really unflappable in terms of how he's handled college game settings that he is now experiencing for the first time. Uh, Austin Fritz, a transfer to us, uh, delivered big again last night for us, but he's playing well. So we've had different guys that have really stepped up, and that's been a big key for us. Uh, and I think, again, our guys are, are believing in one another and they're feeding off one another, which is really big. Uh, again, not a senior-laden team, so no surprise there that, that a lot of underclassmen are at the top of the stat sheet. But obviously, uh, Jared leads the way as the senior. Of course, he was a transfer from Eau Claire a few years back, 15 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game. Uh, about a two assists a game on top of that. Then Devin York, uh, York uh, the underclassman, 13.5 points a game, four rebounds, about two assists a game as well. Uh, ben Mine, uh, is it Meinholz? It is Meinholz. Meinholz, 10 points a game, five and a half rebounds. Also, Austin Fritz, about 9.1 points a game and three and a half rebounds a game. We should mention Meinholz, by the way, well over two assists a game. He's closer to three assists. Uh, a game so certainly the future is there but is there is there an unsung hero on this squad are there guys that aren't hitting that stat sheet that we can't see that are that are making major contributions to the squad that are helping you guys to this season well i think you can look at the stats and see the leaders but i think what's happened for us is when guys have been called on they've stepped up and delivered so you might look at one night and see somebody that had four points uh we played a game uh, a week ago and sean wheeler came in off the bench in a key moment, delivered five quick points, and that was the first time he had entered the game. So we've got different guys when, they're, when their number's called, 
have stepped up, and, and that's really a credit to them in terms of their preparation and being ready for that opportunity when it does come. So it's it's definitely been a collective effort in terms of what we're doing, and that's something that we have struggled with a little bit in the past is settling in on who are those eight to nine guys you're going to go with, and our roster has been much more steady in terms of uh, playing time. You know, five guys have started uh, every game, and we're down to a, a good eight eight to nine man rotation right now. So I think uh, guys are feeling a little bit more comfortable when, when their chances are. And like I said, when they get in there, uh, they're making plays and, and doing what we're asking them to do and, and having fun doing it, which is uh, awesome to see. Um, you're on the Western side of Wisconsin, kind of in the middle part of the state on the Western side. So obviously Wisconsin superior leaving was less of a hit for you. It's not as long as a trip as it is for some of the others. Uh, but how much has superiors, departure change things up and obviously it can't necessarily be attributed to why wisconsin stevens point and whitewater are down but how much has it changed the landscape of the conference for you well i think what it does is it it makes every game a little bit more intense because you got everybody playing you don't have that buy now throughout the course of your season um and so you you don't get those opportunities so you got to keep staying ready and and being uh really one step ahead of, of the game in terms of how you you go at things um I think I think it's it's been good. Um, obviously, uh, Superior uh, got to be a pretty competitive uh, team within our league, um, but I, I think it's just uh, it's it's made each game I think a little bit more intense in terms of uh, the Wednesday Saturday games and and not having that time off. Interesting. I should point out it's still a three and a half four hour trip to Superior for you guys. It's easier to get to St. Thomas and those in the Minneapolis area uh, for you than it is to get to Superior for games. Uh, it's interesting you talk about that that opening up of the schedule uh, a little bit and no buy as a result of it. Obviously, you get to schedule a few extra teams. You, you Obviously, being on the port of Iowa, you, know, you took advantage of that. How do you see the landscape? Obviously, you played a lot of western region teams, but how do you see the, the, the landscape of the central region shaking out for maybe yourselves or in general? Well, it, obviously, we have a, a good region with the CCIW. Um, you got Augie and you got Elmer's playing really well, north central out of that. Uh, we've got St. Norbert's, that's a ranked team. Um, I, I think for us in our league, looking at records right now, it, it's probably going to take the team that uh, wins our conference tournament uh, to get a bid into the NCAA tournament. So um, you're trying to, again, like you do every year, but you're really trying to focus on playing your best basketball at the end of the season, um, having a lot of momentum moving forward into that conference tournament. And you talked about you know trying to, position yourself for the conference tournament so you can get some home games that that's huge uh, we've played well on our home court the only loss we had uh, this year was to hope early in the year uh, so we've been solid there and and i think that's ultimately what we've been talking about as a coaching staff is trying to be in a good spot so we can make a run into that uh, conference tournament and hopefully be positioned to, to make the ncaa tournament i was going to say something interesting though is for you guys it's always been about having to win the aq because no matter what's going on with whitewater and stevens point they're the ones who've got, you know, got position to get in that large bid. You guys, the rest of the conference, have got to win the AQ to get to the tournament anyway. So in some senses, nothing's changed. Exactly right. Uh, we haven't to really approached that uh, any differently than we have in the past. And, and that's, again, why we scheduled the teams that we did early on, just to continue to challenge ourselves, to try to prepare our guys for the grind of the WIAC, and then, again, hopefully be ready that um, – we're good to go when the conference tournament starts and can make a run there. Um, a different topic, uh, but per Wisconsin sports, uh, we had a chance to see uh, Wisconsin. Um, 
<laughs> don't you hate it when your brain goes completely uh, upended <laughs> on you? Um, give me a minute. I just gotta. I just gotta stare at a schedule. There we go. Stout. <laughs> I should not forget that. It's a good beer. Uh, Wisconsin Stout. We saw them at the uh, D3Hoops.com Classic, and Pat got a chance to talk to uh, their head coach Andrist, uh, and he said that he talked about the relationship that that they have with Wisconsin Madison. Uh, with Bo now obviously no longer coaching and Greg Gard made it sound like the whole state has a good relationship on the basketball side of things with that with that D1 program. Is that true from your point of view? Most definitely. I think it really helped, obviously, with Bo being at Platteville. Uh, when I was an assistant at Stevens Point, Greg Gard was the assistant uh, there at Platteville with Bo. So I got a chance to get to know Greg pretty well and saw him on the road a lot and Still periodically uh, we'll see him in the recruiting and, and chat with him and uh, just really pulling for him that uh, he can continue to make the, the progress that he has with that team and somehow they can get into the NCAA tournament and re- would really love to see him secure that job um, moving forward. I think he's done an outstanding uh, job so far. Uh, looks like he uh, belongs there, so hopefully how- he can keep it going. But definitely some connections, yes. I was going to say, how does that help you guys? Well, I think it helps because they have the ties to our conference. We've had exhibition games with teams in our league, with the Badgers. Uh, We had an opportunity to do that back in 2010, and what a neat experience for um, a Wisconsin team that typically is filled with Wisconsin uh, players that uh, the Badgers are kind of that team when you you idle when you're growing up, and then to have a chance to go to the Cole Center and play them in a game, pretty neat experience. I think our guys really enjoyed that, and when you have those connections, hopefully you can keep some of those things going. So we'd love to see it happen. Well, Coach, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us, talk about the WAC, talk about your uh, your lacrosse Eagles. Certainly an impressive season. Looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out uh, in the end, and hopefully the tournament's coming through Mitchell Hall uh, for you guys. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just want to thank uh, you for your coverage. It's great having uh, somebody like yourself that uh, is really promoting Div- Division Three basketball. I tell people all the time that uh, quality basketball has no level, and I think we play some uh, pretty good basketball at the D3 level. So thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I might steal that line from you. Quality basketball has no level. Very nice. Um, appreciate it, Coach. Take care. Good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Dave. Ken Cable joining us here on the show again. They started the season three and five and are eleven and two since. They have won four in a row, uh, six of their last eight, and actually it goes even further back than that. Is obviously they've won eleven of their last thirteen. Four games left. River Falls on the road Wednesday, then at home against Oshkosh, then on the road the next Wednesday against Eau Claire, then finish at home against Stevens Point. Stevens Point might be in a situation in that game, fighting just to make the Wyack tournament. So a lot on the line for a lot of teams in the WIAC on the men's side of things. Fun to watch, uh, to say the least. Obviously, it looks like one team's going to get into them from that tournament. I, I don't see an at-large necessarily coming out of the WIAC this season, which is certainly different, but it, it makes for a very interesting and fun race nonetheless. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball, talk to a, pl- a coach who's about to take the floor with her team. No, we're not going to talk to her live, but we will talk SUNY Poly women's basketball coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops Hope right after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive 
you can make a difference. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Not the marathon show. This is a lot easier show. This is our super show, but it's not super in size. It's just that we're on Super Bowl Sunday here, obviously. And doing the show much earlier in the day, due to the fact that there's a big game and we're not crazy enough to go up against it. Hey, come Oscars night? Oh, we're going to go up against the Oscars because we're going to have selection Sundays here, but that's a whole other topic. If you have got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also, please don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. It's got, uh, what is it, uh, three, two weeks left? I can't even remember how many. Uh, uh, I know I've been mentioning it. Three weeks left in the campaign. We've raised about 35% of the, the campaign. Uh, to be honest with you, didn't do a good enough job, as we've mentioned, uh, on the marathon. We need your help. Please consider doing so. Uh, talk lacrosse um, and uh, men's. Uh, well, we've talked lots of things today, but now we're kind of shifting back up to upstate New York. Uh, certainly spent a lot of time in upstate New York this year, but that's because that's where a lot of the good basketball in the East region is positioned because most of it's in upstate New York. Um, you can certainly talk SUNYAC. You can talk Liberty. You can talk um, uh, Empire 8 and the, and the like. But the other conference that's in there that has some good teams that kind of fly under the radar would be the NEAC. Now, granted, it is a large conference, and on the men's side and the women's side and some of the divisions dominated by the southern side of things. But on the northern side, on the women's side, you should go take a look at SUNY Poly. They have won a whole host of games in a row, 11 to be sure. They are leading their conference pretty handily or their division over Morrisville State and trying to position themselves to make sure the tournament comes through their doors. Uh, when we scheduled this, I forgot they were playing today. So this is definitely a pre-taped interview because as we speak, Jessica Skelton and her team are taking to the floor to take on Brent Anthon. But she joins me ahead of that here in a pre-taped segment. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time before your game <laughs> to join us here. Yeah, no problem. 15-4 uh, and four overall, 12-0 and 0 in the conference right now. Obviously, you've had a number of uh, good seasons recently and have certainly been at the top of the NEAC, but kind of not talked about much. Um, mainly, again, the NEAC kind of flies under the radar. Do you guys have that feeling when you're up there, too? Yeah, we do. I mean, every year it's the same thing. Um, I always feel like we're a little under the radar, and, um, you know, but – Sorry, I just had somebody come in my office. I apologize. Sorry. It's all um, good. 
Yeah, you know, we're definitely under the radar. I don't think we get um, the credit um, as, a, as far as a conference as we probably deserve. Um, but we kind of embrace that and go with it and, um, you know, just try our hardest against, you know, whoever we're playing, whether it's conference or non-conference. It's interesting because you've had a lot of high winning seasons of late, but you got to go back pretty far. I mean, I haven't yet gone back to find when you guys were last in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, last year, unfortunately, uh, you know, pretty good season, 16-2 in the NAC, lost to Penn State Abington. Uh, of course, Abington got sent out to uh, George Fox in the yeah. NCAA tournament. So Saw maybe that. that was a blessing in disguise. Uh, um, but at the same time, again, you know, you have these great winning seasons. You certainly compete at the top of the NEAC, but then you guys just don't get the, the ultimate glory of making it to the NCAA tournament. It's got kind of rub at you guys a little bit. Is it, is it, are you kind of itching to get to the postseason? Now? Yeah. I mean, we're sick of it. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. You know, we've come up short a couple of times, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it sucks. It's unfortunate. Um, yeah. You know, you hate to see your kids work so hard all season and then just fall short. Um but, um, you know, we're kind of taking it this season, and we're just, like I said, we're sick of it. And we, we want to finally break through. You know, we've had some unfortunate, you know, last year against Abington, tough injury yeah. um, down the stretch of the game, losing, you know, one of my leading scorers. Um, so it, hopefully, you know, we don't see that happen. But, um, you know, we're just kind of embrace it and know the situation, know that we, as far as I've, as long as I've been here, we've never made the NCAA tournament, and the girls know that. And um, I'm not so sure if any women's team at the school has yet. So we're, we're, you know, even taking that into consideration and put that in our minds to keep us going, you know. Well, you're certain playing darn well right now. You beat Ben State Abington uh, 82-28 in your last go-out. Again, if you're just tuning in, uh, they're playing Brynanthon as we speak. So this is not live or this is one creative interview. Uh, to say the least. Um, obviously, you'll have one more game against Casanova. We'll talk about the home game and schedule uh, coming up. But um, it senses that you guys know what's at stake, that you want to position yourself appropriately, the NEAC, and then you want to make sure you get the job done when, when you have that opportunity. How important is it to make sure this tournament comes through your doors? I mean, we sure as heck don't want to travel as far as right now all the way out to Lancaster. They're the top seat out there. And, um, you know, it's a drive. We don't want to do it. Um, Obviously, we, you know, if it happens, it happens. But um, we want to keep our kids home. I've got some seniors that have put a lot of time and energy, you know, into playing for me four years. And they would love to stay home and get as many home games as possible, you know, and, and bring the tournament here because it's it is really uh quite the environment to to play uh um you know playoff games here so i'm um, i'm hoping we can do it for them you know um you know, what's interesting is you do have five seniors on this squad is it a topic of conversation some coaches will say they'll make this a topic of conversation hey you know what remember what our goal is here we want to make the ncaa tournament we got to win the neac etc cetera, etc cetera. and some of them don't necessarily make it an overt topic they want to keep them focused mm-hmm. on the task at hand what what are you doing is it a balancing act maybe i mean we know the ultimate goal but um uh, you know it's game every game you know we change it we have a game plan it um it changes for every game we just take it one game at a time uh but i can't cannot say that in the back of our head we know the ultimate goal you know we've gone over at the beginning of the season we try not to discuss it you know every day obviously but um, we know that every day every game matters and um regardless of who we play um you know we we have to change our game plan and, and do whatever we have to do to make it to our ultimate goal 
So no, we don't we don't talk about it, and you know every day. But I can't sit there and say it's something that we deliberately not talk about. Sure. Um, we're just trying to take every game as it comes and concentrate on that specific day, and then when that's over, we move on to the next. So. Not an overly tall team. You do have a six footer as one of your seniors on the squad. You have a five ten as well, but everybody else kind of be in mid range five footers. Um, so yep. obviously, you kind of need to, to to work with the guard play. Uh, though you got a couple forwards leading the way. Uh, Gina Gallo, the senior, fifteen and a half points a game, seven rebounds a game, assist and a half a game. Um, she's that senior. G- uh, Stevie Ray, junior, fifteen points yep. a game. On top of that, four and a half rebounds. Of course, there's also Lauren uh, Knowles. Can't forget about her, thirteen and a half yeah. points a game and nine and a half rebounds a game. Um, all three of them will hand out assists, as, as I pointed out earlier. Um, but those two seniors obviously are, are the catalyst, but you've got a number of other ones who are contributing. Almost all of them are, um, plus the underclassmen. This definitely seems like a very nicely spread out kind of offense and spread out kind of team. Yeah, we've the last few games especially, um, you know, we never really know who is going to lead the way. You know, um, the Morrisville game I think showed a lot with Lauren Knowles stepping up and uh, dishing out nine assists. You know, I asked her specifically to become a passer. You know, they were playing zone and, you know, brought her high and just said become a passer and and hit Gina Gallo down low. And she dished out nine assists and didn't even worry about herself as far as scoring. And uh, you just never know. You never know where Stevie Ray is going to, you know, explode. Um, You know, just whatever they're going to give us, I think we're pretty, you know, we're pretty good about um, not really caring. We just, the ultimate goal is to win that game and, and that's what they've, you know, been doing. So, um, the last time you lost a game was when you traveled to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, lost to yeah. uh, uh, Eastern Connecticut and Keene State back on the 29th and 30th of December. Of course, you had lost to Cortland before the break, so that was kind of the roughest part of the season, losing three there. But you took on some tough teams there, Eastern Connecticut and Keene State, um, and, and yeah. relatively close. I mean, you lost to Eastern Connecticut by 11, and you lost to Keene State by 12. Um, granted, low-scoring affairs for you guys. You only couldn't get out mm-hmm. of the fifth, uh, get out of the 40s. What did you guys take from that tournament? What did you take from that experience coming back home uh, afterward and now going on an 11-game winning streak since? You know, we, you know, we know that offense sometimes it's just not going to be there, and we really needed to do a better job um, defensively and having, and not just with the players but myself as well, coming out with a better game plan and specifically targeting you know, their players and what we're going to do and, and really um, following through with the game plan that we set for ourselves. And, um, and like I said, not just the players, myself as well, um, coming together and just acknowledging what we needed to do better. And I think defense was a big part of it because we were giving up, you know, we were giving up some points and um, easy points at times. And, um, you know, basically that. And then we obviously, we added a couple new players as well. So it certainly helped us with our depth issue because, the first semester, we we had a little depth issue um, as far as who we had coming off the bench. And um, so that's helped us tremendously with the uh, couple girls stepping in. So um, just a, a, a overall, just a few different things that we had to work with. And I think we've, you know, we haven't overcome everything. We're still working. Every, every day we're finding something else to work on. So we're just trying to you know, look at, look at ourselves and, and see what we can do better and then work on it. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, by the way, I misspoke earlier, and not to, to belittle it, there was actually a, 
uh, 32 points to Keene State. I apologize. I made it sound like 12. Uh, I, apparently, the marathon's still wearing off on me because I can't do simple math. Um, <laughs> but you came back, and you've had a very interesting schedule. You started this season with five straight home games. Granted, granted against Utica and Ham- Hamilton, it's basically drives down the street for those two teams. Uh, Wells, yep. Keuka, and then Albany uh, Pharm- Pharmacy out of Division Three. Then you hit the road for one game against Cortland. Then you actually hit the road. Uh, excuse me, to play uh, in in Arizona. Came back home, had four home games. Then hit the road and had five away games. Now you're home in the midst of a four-game uh, home stretch. And then you'll hit the road to finish the season with four, four road games. I, I'll admit, yeah. I see some of that sometimes, but it's not that consistently. I, I've never seen literally home, away, home, away, home. I mean, literally sections of your schedule. I realize it probably wasn't on purpose, but how has that affected mm-hmm. the team? How has that affected you? I don't think it's, I mean, I, I guess I was, I was a little nervous at first, you know, cause even our, our two scrimmages were both home. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> oh, coach. <laughs> I mean, we, what happened was we scheduled, we scheduled the, um, the trip out to Arizona after, um, basically I'd just about had my schedule um, done and we're all of a sudden, all right, you know, let's plan this trip. We've got some seniors and uh, so I had to, to get rid of some away games I'd already had planned and we'll bring uh-huh. them back um, next season. But, um, you know, a conference schedule is a conference schedule and I just wasn't able to place certain um, non-conference games, you know, and honestly, there's just no time um, in January, February, really, um, for non-conference games as it is. And so, um, it's just kind of the way it went. And, and, um, with the trip out to Arizona, like I said, I had to get rid of a couple games. So there's really nothing I could do about it, but I was worried at first, but the girls, I mean, they just, you know, we've got some great leaders and they just don't let certain things bother them. I mean, it's not even really a discussion for them. I was nervous. It was in the back of my head, but, um, it wasn't, uh, wasn't an issue really. Um, it, it was obviously you're going to be used to it because you're going to go on this stretch of four game home road games on the uh, to finishings. So you may not like to travel to Lancaster Bible, but guess what's on the schedule? Uh, yeah. you'll, you'll have you got a, an interesting trip here. You got to go to Lancaster Bible, which is down in the southeastern part of Pennsylvania, then go to Penn State Berks, which is another part of the state. Um, as part of that one weekend coming up on Valentine's Day weekend, and then you'll go on the trip to Keuka and Wells, which is obviously a little bit closer to home. Um, for mm-hmm. you, and obviously you have no choice here. You're used to travel. I mean, the previous, like we said, five game stretch in the conference was Morrisville State, Penn College. Uh, uh, Penn College wasn't in conference. Casanova, SUNY Cobbleskill, and and St. Elizabeth. So you're used to hitting their bus for a few weekends in a row. But it's a yep. lot of pressure on you, also though, to stay in in position here and thus have to do it on the road. That's that's putting in the <clears throat> kind of almost doubling down a little bit here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's uh, something that again we've we know it's ahead of us, but we just have to stay the course and and continue to do what we have to do and concentrate on us. We're not, you know, we have our game plan as far as what team we're playing, but we're really trying to take care of ourselves and do, you know, what we do and um, just like I said, just kind of stay the course and not worry about, you know, the the other things that come into play, whether you're home and away and and you know whatever it is, officials or. <laughs> You know who's sick. It doesn't really matter. We're just trying to concentrate on us first, and then um, keep you know keep the distractions and whatever else you know kind of out of the picture. Speaking of distractions, the campus is located right across the street from a, a, a relatively large mall, not the big mall in in, in Utica, 
to per se, but I know the mall. It's got a movie theater and everything else. It's per- perfectly positioned for distraction. Um, uh, at the same time, though, you guys kind of are kind of in your own little area there in the upstate yep. New York area. Kind of Does that help you guys focus in some way? I mean, it's not like you got the hustle and bustle of a Rochester or a hustle and bustle of maybe a bigger town. Utica's kind of a, a quiet, sleepy, uh, old blue-collar town. Yeah, I mean, we're right in Marcy, so once you get on campus, it's it's the campus. Yeah. You know, there's really, um, there's obviously a ton a ton to do out and about, um, but you got to get off campus to do it. I, you know, I, I like it. I mean, I went to school here. Yeah. It's perfect for me. Um, the girls are right on campus. It's nice, easy. Every, You know, I could see the dorms from here, uh, you know, right at the gym. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not really too familiar with a big city school or, or a school that's right plop in the middle of, you know, a bunch of different things. But I like it. It works for me as a student athlete. Um, my kids enjoy it. They love the school. They love the campus. Um, but at the same time, if they do want to, to step out, they can. Um, but it's certainly not pulling them yeah. away from their classes or pulling them away from basketball <laughs> or anything like that. So. Yeah. I kick myself every time I go up and visit relatives up there because I to get to them to go to Remsen, New York, I have to drive by your campus relatively easily. <laughs> yeah. And every time I do it, I'm like, you know, if I just pulled on, I might go see a game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, but you're never timed well. By the way, speaking of busy, in a school like yourself, not this surprising, but it's still, it caught me a little bit off guard. Usually I'm used to a coach having two responsibilities with teams possibly, uh, still in this day and age in Division Three, You are the head coach mm-hmm. of not only the basketball team, you're the head softball coach, and you're the head women's cross-country coach. Crossover is an understatement with your life. Uh, obviously, softball season with you guys isn't necessarily kicking into high gear just yet due to yeah. do the fields not being being prepared. But how tough is it to manage all of that? Well, I was the coach of all three. I'm no longer the coach of all three anymore. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just looking at the bio but, on the site, so I apologize. Yeah, no, they, you know, to talk to that SID. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was tough, but, um, you know, I always had some really good assistance, you know, to help out and, um, I don't teach here, so sure. it's not as probably difficult. Um, I know a lot of other schools have coaches that teach or coaches that do this and that, but, I mean, the school really sets us up um, pretty well to do that. You know, um, I really enjoyed coaching um, basketball and softball at the same time. It was fun. It kept me busy. Um, you don't usually run into games or anything, but the practices you do have to, you know, I'd come in for a 6 a.m. softball practice, and then I'd come back at, you know, a 12 o'clock basketball practice or something like that. So that was certainly, you know, certainly difficult. And um, it got even more difficult. You know, I have a, a son as well. And mm. now, you know, now I just do basketball. So that was the best and smart decision, you know, that we could do for myself personally. But it's it's not easy, you know, yeah. especially if you have kids at this level that play both sports, you know. Um, and I definitely had a few kids that played basketball and softball for me, so it's not easy, but um, it can certainly be done. Sure. I would say the hardest part is probably recruiting for all of those kids. Oh, I bet. You know, that that was the, the difficult part. But uh, like I said, I mean, um, our athletic department, we were lucky, and, and they um, supplied me with some really good assistance, so it, it worked out for, my God, I think I did it six or seven years. Wow, that's, so, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, obviously you're a star on the softball field as well, and obviously doing very well on the basketball court uh, this uh, well period in your career and obviously this season. I appreciate you taking time out of your prep work for today's game to join me here to talk about things. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, 
Go Wildcats. <laughs> Perfect. That's a good way of doing it. Coach, thanks so much. Yeah, Hey, at this point in time, uh, short and sweet is not too bad. Uh, Hey, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Good luck uh, the rest of the season. Going to keep an eye on the Wildcats. Look forward to seeing you hopefully make it to the NCAA tournament. And uh, good luck the rest of the way as well. And obviously good luck in your other seasons. And thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, talk to me as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Jessica Skelton joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, again, the team 15-4, and 4, 11 in a row. Uh, They're 12-0 in conference. They are playing as we speak against Bryn Anthon. That's uh, just a scheduling quirk on my part. Uh, then they are home against Casanova to finish off the schedule later this week of their home schedule. Then they hit the road against Lancaster Bible, Penn State, Burks, Kiuka, and Wells the following two weekends, hitting the road to guarantee they stay home for the NEAC tournament. We'll see how the Wildcats do the rest of the way when we come back we'll have plenty more hoops ahead of course don't forget we have our long uh ex- ex- uh, extensive conversation with the wbca executive director danielle donahue that's all coming up here on a super bowl sunday edition of Hoopsel. we'll be back with more after this i'm a division three student athlete and i know how powerful words can be the term gay doesn't mean stupid lame or less than So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, It's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on uh, Instagram uh, a bit. We tried today to kind of get that rolling in the show and just wasn't a good show to pick, uh, being earlier and how much we're behind uh, trying to get a show put together six hours in, in advance of what you normally do is not the wisest of choices, but nonetheless, we will get that. We'll get used to that and kind of get up and rolling with that down the road. Um, of course, Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thank you for 
tuning in and joining us here on the air. Uh, we were talking about the UAA men's races, uh, the women's race uh, underway. We'll give scoring updates shortly, but uh, on the men's side, again, big thriller from Rochester as they beat Chicago in overtime on a missed free throw to, th- uh, missed free throw and made three-pointer at the buzzer, a purposely missed free throw, made three-pointer um, to give Chicago its fourth straight loss. Wash U, on the other hand, has lost their sixth straight of the season. Hasn't happened since the early 80s that Wash U has lost six straight. So certainly interesting times. Uh, previous segment, we talked to SUNY uh, Polly. Uh, currently, they are trailing Bryn Anthon, 21-19, 7.59 left to go in the second quarter. Let's keep talking women's basketball. And when you slide down into the old Dominion Athletic Conference, things get a little bit more interesting. We certainly have had a lot of interesting races to talk about here on the show. And this one is not the exception. Uh, the ODAC has now got a first place tie between Guilford and Lynchburg at 10 and 2 each, with Emory and Henry at 9 and 3. And Eastern Mennonite, Washington and Lee, and Bridgewater all lurking at 7 and 5. Yes, it is tough at uh, technically three games back. Uh, to maybe get into it with four games left, but anything is possible. Picked a team to talk to, and one of them has certainly got to be Guilford. Team is uh, uh, 24 and five last year, uh, two years ago, 17 and 10 last year. Back in the mix of things at 16 and three this season, and 10 and two, unfortunately, after a tough loss on the road to Eastern Mennonite. But nonetheless, we want to thank Coach Flamini for joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, which she does right now. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it as well, especially off of a of a tough loss yesterday. Eastern Mennonite, seventy to sixty three. Um, obviously, it was a big game for Eastern Mennonite. They want to stay in the mix of things, and it was a big game for Lynchburg because they now are, are in a tie with you guys. But you know, outscored in that last quarter, twenty three to fifteen. Certainly not how you wanted to finish the game. I am I'm assuming. No, we just couldn't hit shots down the stretch, uh, and that happens every once in a while. And we don't have seniors, so um, you know we don't really have. Anyone that's playing their last, you know, their last four games, five games of the season, that's really going to, you know, have have a little bit more push because it's possibly the end. So, you know, we got to find that. That's one thing I think that we uh, we're missing because we don't have any seniors. It, you know, no one's um, under any urgency because we all know everyone's back next year. So I think that's something I'm going to have to find a way to. Um, trick them into thinking they're seniors maybe because I think that's a big advantage to other teams when you're playing with seniors. Well, it's interesting this season, though. I've seen a lot of teams who are succeeding a lot. They may have seniors, but it's the underclassmen who are stepping up. Heck, uh, Rutgers-Newark earlier in the show is about the first team I've talked to who's been dominated by seniors in the scoring stats. So, But but there's an element of certainly experience and having confidence. Is that what you're kind of alluding to? Well, that and I mean, we're playing Eastern Mennonite, and they have uh, two kids that have played on on very successful teams, and yeah. they know how to win, and they 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 don't want they don't want to go out uh, losing, you know, and and they're used to winning. So I think that's you know maybe these other teams, and I, I don't know, but but I think the big thing is is that they have an All American, a preseason All American, who is yeah. gonna you know give everything she has to not lose. Yeah, no, that's the truth. Uh, it certainly makes it a, a little bit more interesting. Uh, when they have something like that, that token, and it's almost the you know learning how to close out a game. You're still in the lead of the conference, though, ten and two, tied with Lynchburg, um, and obviously a game up on uh, on uh, who did I say you were? Emory Henry. Thank you. Uh, brain is. <laughs> you think the marathon's still residing in my head? Uh, up on Emory and Henry, which is certainly important. Uh, you just beat Lynchburg two games ago, sixty three fifty. 
Uh, so, and that was the only time you'll play them this season. So you've got the tiebreaker at least with them. But you've still got four to play. You got And three of them of the four at least are going to be at home. You'll play Hollins coming up this week along with Bridgewater. Then the following week you'll finish on the road with Henry and Henry and then home against Virginia Wesleyan. So you still got to feel confident with how you're positioned this season. Yeah, I mean, I feel good uh, with three home games. But, I mean, we have lost two of our three games at home. So, uh, you know, that's that's been uh, a little troublesome. But, um, I mean, we're we're pretty happy with where we are. Um, we just have to remember to take one game at a time and never underestimate an opponent because in the ODAC, anyone can beat anyone on any given night. Obviously, finishing number one in the conference is nice. It doesn't have any necessary home court advantage. Uh, you won't have to play the early rounds if memory serves, and you'll skip advance right to the uh, Salem Civic Center for the quarterfinals. It just depends on who you'll face, basically, there, right? Right, and to me, uh, I think I talked with this, talked about this with um, Kevin yesterday at EMU, that uh, at this point it doesn't even matter where you're seated because there isn't, there isn't going to be an easy game. And <laughs> whoever wins the ODEC tournament is certainly going to earn it. Yeah, it just depends on which jersey you're wearing, home or away. Right, right. <laughs> and exactly. And what time you might be playing the game instead, um, right. but obviously three of the last four at home at least give you some, you know, some some comfort. People are going to have to come to North Carolina to play you, which for some of these teams is the longest trip. For Hollins, it certainly isn't long. For Bridgewater, it gets longer. Virginia Wesleyan, it's certainly going to be a bit of a haul. So at least you have the ability to have some home cooking and, and some advantage there, and, and play certainly in a fun place uh, in the Reagan Brown Fieldhouse. Um, but you talk about the seniors and trying to get them to, and not the, the lack of seniors, I should say, and get your underclassmen to play bigger. How do you go about trying to pull that off? Well, I just, I think the biggest thing is going to be, uh, I might have to trick them. I don't know. I, I have to figure <laughs> out how to, to get them to, um, well, they've done a pretty good job of being consistent and just staying focused on, you know, each game, one game at a time, one day at a time. I know that's a big cliche, but, but honestly, that's all we do. I, I don't. I don't try to have them look ahead at an ODAC championship or any of that. We just want to focus on right here and now and try to win as many games as we can and not put too much pressure on them. Uh, I think that's where you run into trouble when you start talking about all these things you want to do and da da da. And then it starts to put some instant pressure. I mean, we have pressure because we're in first and everyone's trying to knock us out, and we haven't talked about it. You know, we really don't talk about it because. In the end, I just want them to go out and play their best basketball and not feel pressure. I just want them to have a good time and do the best they can. And wherever we end up is fine with me. I don't remember how the ODAC uh, was supposed to play out. I'm actually kind of rushing to look it up uh, at this point in time. I don't remember if you guys, where you were picked necessarily to be in the race, but I know Eastern Mennonite bringing back certainly All-Americans. Uh, everyone was expecting them to have a good season. They were expecting Lynchburg to have a good season, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Are you playing above where everybody expected you to finish? Yeah, I think we were pick six, um, okay. and I think a lot of that was we lost three starters, and yeah. um, you know we have all new faces. Or was it four starters? I don't even remember who started for me last year, but <laughs> we pretty much have four new. I'm trying to think four new starters. I think it's Amy Heaven didn't start. Uh, yeah, I mean Anise is the one that really uh, was the one that shining star we had coming back from last year, as far as starters are concerned. And I think everyone looks at on paper we we. Should have been pick six, certainly. I mean, I agree with that. But but what they don't know was that the team chemistry was a little better, and the kids that were moving into the starting lineup have played a lot for us and have given us, uh, you know, a lot of good minutes. And and certainly we're going to step. I felt we're going to step into that role pretty easily. Um, and and they did exactly what I thought. So I think the only thing that I was uh, maybe questioning was 
that the, none of them had starting experience, really, yeah. but and how quickly were they going to get comfortable? And they got comfortable very quickly. I mean, certainly faster than I thought they would. Uh, uh, certainly playing well. Uh, Lynchburg was picked to finish first. Eastern Mennonite then ran off Macon, uh, Washington, and Lee, Emory, Henry, then yourselves. Granted, uh, you were kind of nip, nip and tuck with Emory and Henry there, 5'6". Um, well, let's talk about this squad and, and what, they're, what they've been doing. You're led by a junior and, and Weatherly, who's got uh, 16 points a game, 9.5 rebounds a game, 2.5 assists a game and three and a half steals a game. I think she may be overachieving just a little bit, Coach. Uh, Lauren Ramsey, a sophomore, 10 points a game, four rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game. Uh, you've got uh, Heaven Walters, a junior, at eight points a game. You also have Essence Abram uh, at seven points a game, six and a half from Amy Stetler. Junior, sophomore, junior, freshman, junior. You talk about the fact you've got no seniors on the squad. That's got a, that obviously bodes well for the future, but you at least have a, a nice uh, core of juniors there who are at least statistically helping this team along. Yeah, we've had uh, certainly different people stepping up throughout the season. Uh, you know, Lauren's had some good games. Heaven had a great game yesterday and a few in the past this season. She's really stepped up, and she's playing out of position. So, And, and obviously, Anise has been con- pretty consistent. But um, And then Amy Steller had, had a big game against, uh, I think it was Lynchburg, uh, or I can't remember which game it was where she she hit a lot of threes. Maybe it was WNL. I think it was WNL. And uh, you know, so everyone has given us essence as a freshman has had some big games for us where she's put up 16, 15 points. So we really aren't a one woman show, and uh, that's really where I think that separates us sometimes from other teams is that you know you can focus on Anise or you can focus on Lauren or whoever, but we have other people that can certainly step up and put the points on the board and we didn't really have that last year we, we we had just a few people that could score and if they didn't we were in trouble so that's what i like about this year's team we certainly are much well well-rounded more well-rounded than we've been in the past and um you know and it's not just the juniors we have some freshmen and some sophomores kayla uh, kayla scott has had some big games for us um and and then our post players um you know we have a small lineup and we have a big lineup so we can match up with a lot of different teams so um, that's something that I think is to our advantage. Uh, the one game you lost out of conference was against Stevens at home, as you mentioned, struggling at home. But the beginning of the season saw you at home five of the first. Uh, I'm sorry, three of the first five. Um, but out of you know out of conference, you didn't travel this season uh, really for the most part. Um, you know, you didn't go to some far flung location. You didn't have necessarily. Uh, any tournament except the one you had at home with Denison and Stevens, who you who you uh, we mentioned already. Um, it kind of seems like a, for lack of a better description, because my brain isn't coming up with any good ideas, is a ho hum type of out of conference to kind of get you ready for conference play. What was the mentality with scheduling this year, um, and do you feel you've you've put yourself in a spot where you're going to have to win the AQ no matter what? Uh, I hope not, but it, it certainly could be. Um a realistic outcome is that we, we have to win the AQ. But um, I, I tried to, to put our tournament in a position where we had some really good teams so that, you know, Lynchburg was in our opening tournament. Uh, and then we had, you know, uh, Denison and um, Stevens Institute Technology. And I just felt like all those teams are NCAA tournament teams. And sure. so I wanted to see where we were early. Um, and I felt like the team certainly didn't let me down. I was, I was somewhat surprised at, at <laughs> our, you know, the way we competed. Um, and to be honest, the, the game against um, Stevens Institute of Technology, we actually hit a three that was called a two, so it could have gone to overtime. Ooh. But 
yeah, it was a little tough. But it's happened a few times say, this year. And I'm not saying I'm not saying we would have won, but at least it would have went to overtime. So, um, but I will say that uh, I was pleasantly surprised at the competition level and and how we stepped up to that. Um, so that was my thinking: is if we could have a good opening tournament, maybe we could prove to people that you know we're we're just as good and we deserve you know an at large, possibly if we're if we're in the top three or four in the region. Um, but uh, you know, now we'll just have to see. Well, Dennison certainly is helping you, nineteen and three on the season. And Stevens is having a good season as well. Uh, nothing to shake a stick at in those two games, and it'll certainly help you along the way. Um, when you look at what you've got left, you've got Hollins at home, Bridgewater at home, Emory and Henry on the road, Virginia Wesleyan at home. What's your biggest challenge? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, obviously, I, any, I'm, I'm going to say anyone can beat anyone. I mean, Hollins gave us a great game at their place early on uh, a few weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, you know, you just can't overlook anyone. You just have to take it. Obviously, Emory and Henry is probably going to be the game everybody's circling because they're right below us, and it's yeah. on the road up there, and they're really good at home, and it's going to be tough. But if you ask me, I'm just trying to beat Holland right now, and then we'll get to the next game. Bridgewater's been playing well. They beat uh, EMU last week um, at home and at Bridgewater. And, um, you know, you just can't ever it's, – it's all about who's going to be playing their best basketball now, and it doesn't matter where you are in the league. It's, you have to bring your A game. Uh, the ODAC men have always been kind of one of those conferences everyone talks about as one of the top in the country, though it's it's down a little bit this year. The top has kind of come back to the middle a little bit. The women seem to be building just a bit. It seems to be starting to get deeper. Uh, it's starting to get a little bit more interesting. But how far has this conference come in the 17 years you've been involved? Well, I've been here 13. 13, I'm sorry. I don't know where I came up with 17. How did I do that? Older. I don't know, but uh, but I, I hope I'm still here 17. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> I think it's come a long way. I think uh, certainly, um, you know, the bottom teams have, have, have gotten better. And, and then you look at the top eight. And honestly, you know, top eight or nine, you just can't pick. It's just it's just been it's just been a lot of fun because you everyone makes makes you better. You have to be a better. I've much I'm much improved as a coach from being in this conference, especially in the last five or six years. Everybody works really hard, um, and they just – you have no choice but to work hard and get better. And, um, you know, it's a challenge, and um, I appreciate all I've learned from all my colleagues, and I hope that um, we can all finish strong and just make it a fun tournament. Uh, I figured out where I had it 17. It's overall 17 years. Uh, those few, few years at the beginning at uh, Maine Farmington and Shawan, I, I got yep. stuck in my head. By the way, uh, I, I know Maine a little bit. You went from Maine, Farmington, eventually down to um, uh, Guilford. Uh, clearly, you were trying to find warmer weather. <laughs> Absolutely. That one, that one winter was all it took. I couldn't handle it uh, too and, much. And possibly uh, civilization. Yeah, well, there wasn't much more civilization in Murfreesboro, North Carolina, but at least it was close to Virginia Beach. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of which, though, you guys are getting snow today, are you not? Uh, no, actually, we're not. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it's not yet. I haven't. Maybe some flurries, but not yet. So, <laughs> doing all right. It's been a crazy, crazy year to say the least. Uh, well, Coach, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, appreciate well, you taking the time. Um, certainly fascinating to see how this is all shaken out, as it were, with four games left to go. Uh, it's going to be a fun race, and, and looking forward to seeing how it all plays out at the Salem Civic Center. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you have to, to those who may be tuning in? 
Uh, just thank you for having me, um, and thanks for all you do for men's and women's Division Three basketball because you make us feel special, and it's very much appreciated. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck the rest of the way. Looking forward to uh, seeing how it all plays out and uh, talking maybe a little bit more about the Guilford women's team, uh, and hopefully in the postseason. Okay, sounds good. All right, Coach. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Stephanie Flamini joining us from Hoops, uh, from Hoopsville, from Guilford here on Hoopsville. Um, it's you know it's an interesting race there in the ODAC this season. Uh, you know, Lynchburg's in the mix, Emory Henry's in the mix, Eastern Mennonites in the mix. And those guys, those are the teams supposed to be leading the way. Guilford's got the lead right now, and they, again they got the tiebreaker on Lynchburg, so they can stay tied with Lynchburg. Remember, ODAC plays a a non traditional double round robin. They'll play a double round robin with. I think it's about two-thirds of the teams, roughly. And then the other third you'll play a single game with. They played only a single game with Lynchburg this season. So that one win is the tiebreaker for Guilford should they stay tied. Emory Henry, though, would love to change things. They're a game back. And again, Eastern Mennonite, Washington Lee, and Bridgewater are at 7-5, and five, a total of three games back. So, you know, four to play. Lots to, lots to play for, as it were. Um, lots to figure out. Uh, we'll see how this, this shakes out. The top of the ODAC race on both the men's and women's side. Certainly fascinating. When we come back, uh, we'll go to the WBCA Center Court, have that interview with the executive director, um, Daniel uh, Donahue, that we were supposed to run on the Hoopsville Marathon, but it could not find a good spot for it. That will be our WBCA Center Court segment. I actually taped with her in San Antonio. It's a little bit more, uh, a little longer than we anticipated, but we hope you'll enjoy it nonetheless. We thought about breaking it up, but to be honest with you, didn't have time to get that creative. So we hope you'll enjoy the interview. It's rather interesting to hear her her take on the WBCA, her take on women's basketball, her take on Division Three, and, of course, hear where she came from and, and how she got this job. And I just saw it. We will get a look afterward. We'll get a look at how Rochester won it all against Chicago today in dramatic fashion. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Coming up, our interview with WBCA Executive Director Danielle Donahue. Coming up on Hoopsville. I am now joined here in San Antonio by the head of the WBCA, Daniel Donahue. And first and foremost, we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. But it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. 
but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, and I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. Thank you, Danielle. Of course, you're going to hear from her momentarily. You are listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Interact with us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Calling this a semi-super show. Uh, just to put a little bit of play on words. Obviously, you are, we were pre-gaming the Super, Super Bowl by talking basketball, not to mention the fact you can't call this a super show because we just did the marathon on Thursday and went 14-plus hours talking basketball on a 12-hour scheduled show. Uh, so a little bit of play on words there. Uh, of course, the fundraiser was part of a lot of that, and uh, we hope you'll consider uh, uh, helping us out. Um, the, the sh the, we do this show out of the, because we want to. But the, to do this show comes out of our pockets. We've gotten a lot of help over the years from the WBCA now and the NABC in the past, and uh, it's been well-received, and we thank them. But there's still a lot more expenses to involve, new cameras and new computers, travel, for example, and flights to cross the country are not cheap. Uh, as a result, we've got the fundraiser going, and it's going to go for three more weeks. We are 37% of the way to the goal with 22 days remaining. Uh, all right, we are a shade under 2,800 for a goal of 7,500. Honestly, we'd like to go past 7,500. Love to raise well more than 7,500. We're asking your help to do it. Please contribute to the Hoopsville fundraiser. We will tweet out the link uh, during the next segment. You can also find it on our homepage. You can find it on our show page, and you can certainly find it as well uh, on uh, Hoopsville and elsewhere. Yeah, lots, lots of places, of places to watch, to watch it, it. Uh, so, so please, please do, do so, so. Uh, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd, uh, we'd like to raise, raise more, more, and we want, we want your help, 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 help in doing so. so. By the way, By just way, got just a chance got to see the winner from Rochester. Talk about, about the perfect bounce. It's the best way to describe it. We will show it to you coming up after the interview. But here is my chance. We talked on uh, when I was at the uh, San Antonio uh, NCAA convention got a chance to talk to the executive director of the WBCA who came on board with us 
here at Hoopsville this season, the WBCA and the WBCA Center Court. Got a chance to talk to her about the WBCA, her now new leadership role in what she expects and what she thinks at the Division Three level. Very great, uh, very interesting and in-depth conversation with her. The interview goes a little long. We were going to break it up in the middle, but honestly, we're just going to keep it rolling along. Forgive any marathon references you may hear. Again, this was supposed to air on Thursday and was unable to get it into the show. Um, uh, but uh, we, we, it is certainly worth listening to now. Here is my interview, Danielle Donahue, in San Antonio. Um, uh, from her point of view at the WBCA, the WBCA Center Court, here it is. I am now joined here in San Antonio by the head of the WBCA, Danielle Donahue. And first and foremost, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm excited to visit with you and certainly excited about all the progress with our sport. Can you just give everybody officially what your title is? I'm the executive director of the WBCA. Nice and short. Nice and short, and I've, I've, I'm in my 17th month right now. <laughs> it's so like a baby. It's, yes, I, I, I've surpassed the 12-month mark and uh, feeling feeling pretty good now. Was drinking from a fire hose there for a while. I'm sure, I'm sure. Taking over into a large organization like the WBCA is, I'm sure, a daunting task. We'll talk about that in a minute. But exciting, you, though, exciting. Sure, uh, but I want to first touch on the fact that I want to welcome officially with you here uh, WBCA to the Hoopsville, and obviously we've had you on board for several weeks by the point this interview airs, but wonderful to have you guys on board the show, and, and, and I appreciate you guys coming on board. Well, we appreciate the partnership, and certainly Division Three is a, a very big priority for our membership and certainly for our board of directors, so we're pleased to be partners and really appreciate the time to uh, visit with all of you. I've gotten a sense in the Division Three ranks of a buzz since you came on board that there, there's a feeling that this group is ready to take a nice leap forward as an organization. Obviously, I'm very familiar with the NABC over the years that I've worked with them, but even there, there's a split between Division Three and Division One to some extent. I'm gathering the sense, and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, that there's a split probably in the WBCA as well, but that is coming together, and that's the buzz I'm getting, is that, that the full organization's embracing everybody. Well, I, I certainly hope so. We're, yeah. we're working very hard to try to unify every level of our sport. And when I came on board a little more than 17 months ago, <laughs> I was really excited to be able to serve every level of our game. And I wanted to dig into every level. I wanted to make sure that every level felt valued. And I wanted to make sure that whatever the unique aspects of each level were, that we knew them and that we were able to serve them and equip those coaches properly. And at the beginning of my time, I did a listening tour. I was fortunate to be able to join um, the Women's Basketball Committee, the Division Three Women's Basketball Committee, um, at their finals, their final four. Yeah. Uh, they then thankfully invited me back to have a business meeting with them in Indianapolis. Right. And I, I learned a great deal from them. And. They didn't sugarcoat anything to me. They, they definitely gave me some very valuable feedback, which I, I, I really was very appreciative of their candor um, and, and also just the truth behind maybe where the WBCA has lacked in the past and, and what they would hope we could do in the future. And then over the summer, I, I visited with one of the conferences in Division Three, the, the group of coaches for a particular conference and sat into their conference meeting and and that was a difficult meeting as well <laughs> and uh, and those coaches thankfully were very um, you know very kind and and excited about 
what they do on a daily basis, the value that they bring to their student athletes. But again, they they shared with me ways that they felt the WBCA had had not met their needs in the past. And it was good for me to hear um, in all of those meetings. I came back to my staff. We've had huddle after huddle after huddle um, about Division Three and certainly all of our other divisions as well and, and the other le levels that we represent. And we made some changes. You know, one of those changes that I'm really proud of is we created a, a staff lead or a staff liaison for every level and every division. And those leads and then a backup lead um, are not myself or my chief operating officer. It's other um, people from my senior staff team. And so myself as the executive director and my chief operating officer, we both now um, will support every level and every division, but then we have folks on our staff that are focused on each division every day. And I think that we've seen some great progress since then. The other thing I'd really like to highlight is just the great work of our board of directors. We went through some bylaws changes. Mm -hmm. We went through um, different people being elected um, and, and others rolling off. And, and certainly right now, um, we do have three members of the Division Three membership who serve on our board of directors. And the, all three of them are, are, are power players. <laughs> yes, Let me yeah. tell you that. Uh, we have Christy Thomas-Cuddy, Pat Manning, and Mary Beth Spurk. Yeah. You and got a trio there. That's I have a trio sure. right there. And they have done a fantastic job of really rolling their sleeves up, working on our board, making recommendations to our board as to what we need at the Division Three level to support those coaches. Mm -hmm. And we're making great progress. And, and another nugget that I think is really powerful is historically in the WBCA, We've never had a non-Division One coach on the executive committee. Interesting. And Christy Thomas-Cuddy serves on our executive committee now as a member of the Division Three membership, sure. but also as a member of, of our driving committee that, that represents our board of directors when they're not in session. You, you bring up a lot of interesting things there. Let me go back to that last one right there. Is that now a long-term thing that you will always have representatives from other divisions on that committee, or was it a happenstance type of thing? No, it was a change in the bylaws, and it was important to our board to make sure that we had more representatives speaking for more parts of our membership sure. um, in addition to, to just Division One, and, and certainly we're going to still support Division One sure. like we always have. <laughs> But we are investing now um, heavily in Division Two, II, Division Three, Junior College, Community College, NAIA, all the way down to the high school ranks. Um, renewed partnerships with the with the WNBA, okay. and we also have um, we have seven different countries in terms of some international members. And so I'm I'm excited for the growth that I hope that we will continue to see. Um, but for Division Three, there's a bright future. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing, too, is, you know, the NABC has the exact same thing from my experience. Is you have a majority of your coaches in the college ranks, let's be specific, in the NCAA ranks, obviously come from Division Three, just based on numbers, mm -hmm. because Division Three is the biggest division. Mm -hmm. Yet it seems to get, I don't, I use, hate to use the term least amount of representation, but you say three members on the board, for example. And it's not uncommon. I'm we're certainly not trying to reinvent the wheel in some case. But it does sound like you've got some some very honest opinions from those in division three about honest. their representation yes. and it sounds like the representation for that division seems to be growing even if it doesn't seem like it numerically 
True, and I, I would say that for Division Three, in terms of the entire pool of potential members that sure. are in Division Three, so all the coaches that are out there for women's basketball in D3, a little less than half of them are members of the WBCA. Interesting. And so this is an opportunity, it's an area of growth for us, and I hope that when we serve this group better, that they will respond and they'll see a value to being a member of the WBCA hmm. and that they'll they'll want to be members. Okay. We, we need a, a, a much bigger group um, of members from the Division Three ranks. That's certainly it's an interesting dynamic that you don't have a lot, you don't have a majority of the division or a vast majority I should say representing the WBCA and, and you're right you would think in that coaching ranks it's got some pull you WBCA does have some pull with the NCA you're the communication body essentially for this yes. organization and we've seen that in a number of things like the rule changes the WBCA certainly had a role in that uh, and some other things w what's the yeah. goal for your point of view in that role in that role of representing your coaches moving forward well I think specifically with the NCAA we do have very strong relationships with those at the NCAA. We work very well with them. Our, our goal is to be an asset to every committee that speaks on women's basketball or governs women's basketball in any way. We wanna make sure that there is a very solid, succinct perspective and position from the WBCA that is elevated to each governing body and each committee. We wanna be very clear these are our positions. Mm. This is what the coaches believe is in the best interest of the game moving forward. And as we all know, the rightful leaders in our game are our coaches. Mm. Our coaches are the ones that are in the trenches with their student athletes. Our coaches are the ones who are the teachers and the mentors, the examples for our student athletes. They know what our student athletes need. They know how their program should run, and they know the power of what our sport represents, not only to the student athlete, but to the greater society, whether it's in their community, or whether it's in the United States or around the world. Our coaches should be the leaders for our sport. And so from the WBCA's perspective, we are really boiling everything down and trying to be as succinct as possible on our position statements and making sure that we do all the research we need to do. Sure. We're trying to pull together all the people who represent all the different committees and have thoughtful deliberation and discussion. And then in a, in a strategic way, our coaches are forming positions and the WBCA is elevating those positions. And whether it's myself sitting on a board or being invited to some of these meetings, or whether it's other members of ours that sit on various committees. As you know, the Rules Committee is yeah. made up of mostly coaches yes. from Division One, Two, and, and Three. And chaired right now by Division by Division Three coach. Yeah, Brad Duckworth is yep, the chair. Yeah. And um, so it's important that we're united. It's important that our coaches aren't all over the place with their recommendations. It's far stronger when we take the time, have those important discussions ahead of time, mm -hmm. and we unite and we have a succinct position. And you, you saw that in the, the progression of our rules this past year. Progression. It was That's massive. That's a tame word. <laughs> I was, was going to say the massive. leap forward with the rules changes. But you know what? Our, the WBCA started that. Sure. We started that. And, and our coaches, the positions that our coaches came to, we have a board of directors working group focused on playing rules and officiating. 
we came up with positions. Those sure. positions were elevated to the competition committee of the WCBO LLC. <laughs> they were discussed. Yeah. They were then elevated to the WCBO LLC. They were then elevated to the rules committee. And, and then there were various surveys that the rules committee conducts to make sure that athletics directors get to have a say, that senior women's administrators sure. get to have sure. a say, and that coaches get to have a say. And with our coaches' responses, to the survey and our very clear position from the WBCA, it was, it, it was actually beautiful. We all came together, we were united, and we made some huge decisions, yeah. and, but moved forward as a family. And I think that's the key. A couple interesting questions about the rules. First and foremost, we'll, we'll get to what you've heard since we're about halfway, a little over halfway through the season, but I'm kind of curious because the one thing that did seem to come out of the rule changes when you look at the men and the women was it seems like the sports are literally splitting apart and going down their own paths and, and becoming almost like a lacrosse. It's a bit of an extreme example, I realize. It's a little extreme. Yeah, but, but I yes. want to at least point out that the, the rules are di you know diverse enough now that we kind of have two different tracks. But is not there, for long. Well, not I didn't for think much. for long. We got to yeah. see what the men do. But my thought is, is there, you know, I hear them say that there's work with the men's group to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Would you like to join us? Or, hey, yes. this is what we're doing. Would you like to join us back and forth? But then you also see these massive changes. How hard is it to either convince the other group, and, and it might be the NAVC convincing you guys, that mm -hmm. they want to do certain things with the rules, and how hard is it to then say, you know what, we're doing our own thing here, and convince the NCAA to let you do your own thing? Well, a couple of things, and those are great questions. We all have to remember that the NCAA is its members. Absolutely. As the convention right? exam, yeah. And the NCAA, the, the committee representatives are members. Right. They are administrators. They are coaches. Exactly. They are people who are coming from various campuses to represent their delegations, but also to represent, um, you know, when you sit in any of these committees, they always say, let's, let's check your university hat at the door yeah. and let's make decisions based on what's in the best interest of the game. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for your viewers to remember that the NCAA is not this board of people mm -hmm. that, that, that is not on campuses. No, the NCAA is the people that are on the campuses. Exactly. And, and, and we're made up of, of the members, and the members are making these decisions. With something as specific as the rules committees, and I've been very fortunate in different, different roles to be in the rules committee meetings or be an invited guest to the rules committee. Um, I was not a voter, but I was an invited guest. Um, a very interested participant. <laughs> yeah, now for probably the last four to five years. Okay. And so I have seen some various changes, and I've seen some momentum be gained sure. for different things and, and, and other ideas shut down. Sure. Um, and, and one of the things that I've been most impressed with is the rules committees, the women's rules committee, women's basketball rules committee, the men's basketball rules committee, mm -hmm. they meet together multiple times while they're both in Indianapolis that week. Right. And so they meet collectively and then they separate and then they meet collectively again and then they separate, <laughs> separate again and they meet collectively. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they don't want to make decisions in a vacuum. They want feedback because there are certain rules that our men are taking from the women's game Absolutely. because through all the data that we have, they now know, hey, you know what? This is a good decision. Agreed. 
and one example of that is the 30-second shot clock. Which I right? completely which endorse. Was, which was a fantastic move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I agree. Um, and then one of the, one of the um, decisions on the women's side that we took from our men is the 10-second backcourt in recent years. Endorse. And you know what? That was a good move, too. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but each, each sport used the other one gotcha. to say, hey, share the data behind this. We'll, we'll let, you, let and, us know how it works. And how is it working? Yeah. And, and, and there was wonderful conversation and deliberation. And, and that's the beauty of those committees working together. Now, specifically with some of the drastic changes that were made on the women's side this year. Yeah. You know, the, the women's committee had some very difficult decisions ahead of them, and, and they decided because the women's side of all the committees and different constituencies, that we all had had so many discussions leading up to those very difficult decisions, and we all were united, that that committee had some courage and stepped out and said, you know what, we're going to make a decision that we believe is in the best interest of the women's game. And there was great conversation on the men's side, men and women together. And I do believe one example, the four quarters. Yes. I think it's just a matter of time before our men I'll say, hey, that, yeah. we'll do that too. We'll do that too. But, but it, you know, every, every committee works differently. Yes. Um, every committee is unique in terms of the folks that are serving on it and Especially the perspectives. Is it's turning over too? And it's turning over. There's always a, a third of the committee always turning yep. over, which is wonderful and healthy. Yes. Um, in governance, but changes the dynamic every time. And and it does. And so I I think um, I think there's plenty of ways that our game is going to maybe separate a little bit and then come right back yeah, and separate sure. a little bit and come right back and and um, and it's a great thing to be able to have a partner. Yeah. like our men and and all the men that I talk to that govern men's basketball and the women that govern men's basketball they say hey we're watching the women's game too yeah absolutely. you know our the people who are governing men's basketball are watching our game and the people who are watching who are governing our game we need to be watching the men's game as well there, there are things that we can both learn and help each other with and together it, we're a family how how has the feedback been per the rules? You know, we're talking quarters, we're changing the foul situation, changing timeouts. We cha I mean, there was mm -hmm. a litany of rules, and we, we did a Hoopsville special about all those changes that went into place, there were uh, including nuances like playing music every time the ball goes out of bounds, essentially. But how, Which is great. What, I think that's a good one, too. It's a little crazy sometimes if someone's not sure what they're doing. Well, that's but true. That's at a different rank, too. But. What's been the feedback, though, from coaches, from fans, from anybody else? What's been the feedback you've heard about, you know, as we said, we're a little over halfway through the season here from, from all of this? Yeah, and Dave, I'll start with when these decisions were made, most of them were made with an intentionality, and the intentionality was to increase the pace of play, increase freedom of movement, reduce physicality, and make sure that our game could fit easily within a two-hour window mm -hmm. so that spectators and media folks would be very comfortable that our game could 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 be conducted within a, a succinct time period sure. and and everybody was very aware that game times were creeping longer and longer yeah. and longer and and that was difficult for everybody fans included absolutely and so as these changes were put in place there were various models studied um, many of these rules came from the WNBA 
yeah, and, absolutely. and yeah, NBA, yeah. and as, as everybody knows, the WNBA and NBA have the same rules, exactly. right? Just so believe it or not. They do. <laughs> and, um, and also FIBA in terms of the yes. international yes. rules of basketball. Yeah. And so um, when you see an international game, you see how beautiful the flow is mm -hmm. and how, 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 how skilled the players have to be and how quickly they've got to get the ball up and down the floor. And, and they really highlight the, those skilled players who can shoot threes and who, who, who are able to, um, you know, not only bang, yeah. but, but, but have just a, a, real, um, a real finesse, you know, around the game. And so as, as, these, as these rules were made, it was a very thoughtful and intentionality, um, you know, in, in terms of how it happened. The feedback that I've received is, is actually very good. I think people are excited about the four quarters. They're excited about having um, a, an excitement at the end of the first quarter and the second sure, quarter yeah, and yeah. the third quarter and the buzzers going down and an opportunity for yeah. a team to gain some momentum and score right then before before the end of whatever that period is. Um, the foul situation, I think, has Speeds been really big in terms of speeding it up. We got rid of one and ones, yeah. the two shot fouls. You don't have a freight train at the end of, the, of a half for five, no. six, seven minutes. No, and that, that has been really good. I'll say in terms of maybe some um, constructive feedback that we've received, for those folks that are dealing with the media format, sure. yeah. um, there has been some concern with how long the media breaks or stoppages or timeouts are. Long, yeah. And and part of that is because the new format we, we reduced you took one of the breaks out. a couple of the timeouts, a yeah. couple of the media timeouts, yeah. and we even reduced it's a subtle little nice thing. <laughs> some coaches' timeouts as well. Yeah. And and the coaches were on board with that. I mean, they, they want the game to be exciting for the fans sure. and the student athletes. And and we should point out by the way, the NC, Division Three will play with those media timeouts once we get to the NCAA tournament yes. if they aren't playing with them already. Yes, and and so that that's one bit of of a little bit of worry or criticism. It's just the length of those media timeouts. And then secondarily, one of the areas that wasn't necessarily addressed with, with a vengeance yet is, <laughs> is post-play and the physicality in the lane, yeah, physicality yeah. in the post area. And there was a recommitment to calling the rules as written right. in the post area. And I do think that as, as time goes on, you know, this will not be a rules change year in May. Right, right. We'll, we we'll have, have we'll go two another years. two years yep. until we change the rules again. That needs to happen, right? But I, I know um, in terms of a number of the committees that, that I sit on, I mean, there is data being collected right sure. now. People are studying the post area and certainly the feedback from the coaches will be very, very important as we work toward are there any tweaks we need to make in that post area. Well, interesting enough, on the men's side, they are kind of dealing with that already. They, mm -hmm. they have added some things that so you guys, there's that playoff in some sense, um, the other direction. Um, completely shifting gears, uh, you have the interesting situation where you have a very strong mix of male and female coaches. We do. In women's basketball. It's something obviously they don't deal with a lot in the NABC. That's a whole other topic. But, but that also breeds in its own a different relationship um, mm -hmm. where maybe all not like-minded, if that makes any sense, just from coming from two very different points of view. How do you guys interact with that? How do you embrace it? I'm sure at some points, but at the same time, try and harness it as well. Yeah, and, and Dave, that's a good question too. I'll, I'll tell you, our um, 
we have some wonderful men that coach women's mm -hmm. basketball and and do it and with such honor and integrity and they are amazing examples for our student athletes yeah. and and just like our men we have some amazing women who are leading and coaching women's basketball today that for many of them they were former student athletes yes or former uh, participants in some way in programs and they they've decided to stay with us right. um, through their careers yeah. and so from the wbca perspective 45 percent of our membership is male large number large number and you're probably aware and your viewers are certainly aware that you know back when title nine came into play in 1972 there was a far 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 Much higher number, number of females coaching females yeah and and that's not where we are right now um, the wbca absolutely we support all of our members male and female we're proud of all of our members male and female but I can tell you this is something we are watching and this is something that our board is very committed to. Our, our male and female <laughs> sure, leaders yeah. are very committed to this because their student athletes, they want to make sure these student athletes know that you can be a coach if you want. Right. You can be an athletic administrator if you want. You can be an official if you want. Yes. You can be in the media talking about our sport if yes. you want. Yes. And you are valuable to the family mm -hmm. and you are valuable to the enterprise and the industry and we have to retain our student athletes into the industry. Now, the, the crazy thing that's happened is our student athletes have now gone on to every single kind of business that mm -hmm. you can imagine and sports has become a pipeline for leaders. There are two great pipelines in our country today to build leaders. One is sports and two is our military. Agreed. And for women and men. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that our board is very committed to is just making sure that for those young student athletes that are coming through our ranks, that they know if they wanna stay with our game, you can have a great career, you can have a very fulfilling life. You can have, hopefully, some balance with a family. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you, but you will also have an opportunity to impact your student athletes for their lives. Mm -hmm. and, and what a special thing it is to be a coach today. The coaches that I have been around as I have grown up and been in the industry these people are amazing leaders and mentors and examples. The voice of the coach in our society has never been stronger. Corporate partners yeah. are getting coaches to teach their corporate You're people right. how to build teams. They're coming in and doing motivational speeches. And, yeah. yeah, and how do, you, how do you build teams and how do you understand that, you know what, you don't have to win every battle. You need to win the war. Yeah, exactly. Right? How do you put Undefeated a game, game plan matter. together? Right. Right. And, and so sports today is on such a huge platform. Yeah, we great. have so much exposure today. And I think from, from the WBCA's perspective, we just, we wanna be very, uh, very focused and very encouraging to our student athletes to ensure that they know if you wanna be a coach, we wanna help you be a coach. Sure. If you wanna be an administrator in this we'll business, we're gonna help you there. If you wanna be an official, we're gonna help you there. You wanna be a media personality, we're gonna help you there because we need to harness the passion of our student athletes as 
as the pipeline continues and as the hierarchy continues to those people that are sitting in these highest chairs making decisions, yeah. you better believe when I'm sitting in all these different NCAA meetings, there's a different element of passion that comes through from decision makers when they say, you know what, I was a student athlete a number of years ago. And they make their decisions with that, that consideration. And it's so important that we keep those people that have experienced the beauty and the joy and the incredible opportunity of being a student athlete sure. at the collegiate level. We've got to keep them in our business. No, it makes sense. And obviously the SACS representation, especially in the Division Three level, Division One and Two is adding that, but the voice that they have in Division Three is certainly fosters that uh, as well. The SAC has been very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive yeah. at every level. Those those student athletes They take it ser very seriously. They take it very seriously. The voice of the student athlete and the power of their voice is certainly growing. Impressive. Yeah, yes. I absolutely agree with it. In fact Division Three even has one on their management council. Voting on their management council, I think, is very impressive. And quickly about yourself, we didn't get a chance at the beginning. Uh, everybody, you are a student athlete I of am the NCAA. Yes, yes. You've had an interesting road to this position, including going, uh, spending a few years with a with an icon of the sport. Can you give everybody a little bit of your background, starting back in back in college? Sure. I um, I grew up in in Georgia and was very fortunate to play at Georgia Tech. I was an industrial and systems engineering major. Wow and uh, thought I would go into business. Yeah. This is, you're, you're building things. It's a little yeah. different. Yeah, it's the same stuff. It's yeah. just a different business. Exactly. And, um, and I had a wonderful experience at Georgia Tech. I played for Agnes Baranato. Mm -hmm. She was my coach and uh, learned some great things. I was on the five-year plan. Graduated in five years. <laughs> I had the opportunity to study abroad, That's which wonderful. was wonderful. Um, and then when I graduated, I, I really had to, had to think about, do I want to go into sports as sure. a business or do I want to go into corporate business? And I said, you know what, I, wanna, I love sports. I want to go into sports. I was fortunate to have an opportunity to go to Tennessee. It's uh, a pretty worked, good program to join. Worked for Pat Summit <laughs> yeah. for seven years, was a graduate assistant, and then was a director of basketball operations. That's great. And then an assistant athletics director for basketball operations. And so from uh, from the age of 22 to 29, I got wow. to learn from Pat. That's and, amazing. And what a, uh, what a blessing that was to I'm me. Sure. Um, at 29, um, right in there, I had an opportunity to leave and, and begin um, building with a, a great team a WNBA franchise That's which great. became the Atlanta Dream yeah and uh, moved back to Atlanta worked for the Dream as the executive vice president Wonderful. and love 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 the WNBA what a value it is and how important it is to have a professional professional league for women's basketball in this country agreed with you um, and the WNBA is about to celebrate this next year will be their 20th season. It's incredible. Can you believe that? I, I can't believe it's been around. It's, Honestly, it's, I can't. It's, it's, it's feels, it feels much shorter. It's fantastic. Yeah. And so I'm really excited for them and um, had a wonderful time with the Atlanta Dream. And then uh, there was a period of time where we were being sold to a new owner. Sure. Um, and there was an opportunity for me to be able to... Uh, be recruited up to the Big East Conference, 
and uh, was All fortunate. All before it came chaotic. <laughs> That's right. I, um, I, I joined the Big East Conference family, sure. uh, moved to Providence, Rhode Island. Wow, there's a change. I learned how to eat the best Italian food oh, and seafood sure. of my life. <laughs> it was wonderful. Where was that all your life, right? Oh, I was like, I have missed out. <laughs> but, I can but understand that. Providence yeah. was awesome, sure. and the Big East family, they were so good to me. I was right. the associate commissioner for women's basketball, and and at that time, um, the Big East had 16 teams. Um, it was big, some right. of the some of the coaches that I was able to serve include Gino Ariema, Muffet some, McGraw, yeah. Vivian Stringer, some Jeff Walls, Mike Carey, Jose Fernandez. Yeah. You you name it, Kim Burns, Rico. I mean, we had Harry Peretta, Quentin Hillsman. You forget um, about all those. And one interesting nugget was my college coach, Agnes Baranato. Yes. Was the coach at Pitt? <laughs> so now you're overseeing her. And so I also worked with my college coach her. in a new, um, new relationship where yes, I was serving her from the conference level. That is outstanding. Um, and and I'll tell you, some of some of those other, I mean, Phyllis Mangina. Wow. I mean, we just had so many unbelievable some the, coaches. Just, I was gonna say some of the great names in women's basketball they, I mean, they, at the um, top rank. And and uh, and Terry Flanoy at Georgetown. I mean, it was, it was. It was a really, really special time for me to then understand how do you be fair and impartial and serve 16 sure. very different programs, yeah. very different different um, points of view, different different uh, operating budgets, different yeah. models, different but, aspirations. But the unifying factor back then was the crown jewel of that conference was basketball You're right. men's basketball and, and women's, women's basketball You're absolutely right. yep. and it was a wonderful opportunity for me i had an opportunity to work side by side danny gavitt okay he was the uh, associate commissioner for men's basketball yes. and he now is the vice president of men's basketball at the ncaa <laughs> and so danny was a wonderful mentor for me and a great friend he taught me a lot and i also had a um a colleague, Barbara Jacobs, who has been in the business forever and was the head coach at Syracuse and then got into administration and she taught me a great deal as well. And so my time at the Big East was wonderful. As you know, four years into it, the Big East uh, reconstituted. Okay, that's one way of saying that. And, um, and so it, as we split, um, we became the Big East and the American. Right. Um, and so our conference office became the office for the American. Right. And so I was honored to work um, at the American for a year. I learned a whole bunch of great lessons I'm there. Sure. And uh, learning curve. Yeah. yeah. And uh, worked for two great commissioners, John Marinato and Mike Oresco. Wonderful. Learned a lot from them. And then when, when this opportunity opened up for me about 17 months ago, this was an opportunity that it was it was such a blessing to be considered mm -hmm. and it was very humbling to think that sure. maybe I could be valuable sure. to the family of coaches and what an honor it is for me every day to serve 4,000 coaches yeah, true. and I, I love every day there's there's no same day twice <laughs> no I'm sure uh, there nope. isn't but uh, <laughs> But, but I, I, I'm very blessed to have a very, very uh, impressive staff at the WBCA office. Yeah. And, um, and I'm proud of what we do. And, and we've made some changes and we've, we've refocused on some things that we needed to. We've done a whole bunch of, of data and research projects to try to really hone in on the coach of today okay. at every level.
and their journey sure. and what a coaches association should provide their members. Interesting. And so I'm excited to roll out some of those things at the upcoming convention in April. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope that, that all of our members at every level will be excited with what, uh, what we're going to roll out. Well, as I said at the beginning, it certainly seems like there's excitement in the ranks, as it were. Uh, two questions before we let you go. One, your role here at the convention. Obviously, there's a lot going on. Division three, not a lot on the table for basketball per se. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as we talk, nothing's being voted on. Nothing came out of the issue session that really seemed to be basketball oriented. So I know, that, you know, your focus has probably been somewhere else. But have you? Is this more about just making sure you stay in the mix, um, make sure you yeah. still kind of have your face in front of people, so that things aren't forgotten in some sense, if, if that makes any sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, any any time the 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 greater body of the NCAA comes together and meets, I think it's important that the WBCA has a presence. Sure. And that, that we sense. we are visible. Hey, don't forget. Um, don't forget we're here. <laughs> yeah. um, we are, you know, my my number two and I, we are in, we're dividing and conquering a whole bunch say, of different doing meetings. Laps. There's a lot of places we're to We're taking hit. notes. We're, we're, we're definitely, um, you know, we're, we're doing our part to make sure that we are on top of a lot of the different issues and we're able to then communicate back to um, to our membership properly and, and the different okay. different pieces in our membership that are driving different issues for us. Okay. Um, we've sat in lots of different meetings and, and, and certainly it's important to then set up meetings that are outside of the meetings. Yeah, exactly. Yes, just I know that very well. <laughs> yes, to just check in with different people sure. and, and just make sure that you stay in front of them and make sure that you um, create those lines of communication so that when something does come up, that you're on their mind and that they want to reach out and make sure they communicate oh, with hey, you. Oh, hey, we ought to contact so and so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 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 so I feel I feel very good about what um, what Shannon and I have done this week here, and and I feel very good about uh, making sure that we have a a whole bunch of of NCAA staff um, that we work with and sure. we have great relationships with to uh, help facilitate making sure we understand um, what decisions are made and and we have more in-depth conversations once rulings are made or votes are going to be taken. Makes sense. Um, we want to know the depth of why is that important and, and, and how does that affect not only our coaches but right. the institutions that they represent. Makes complete sense. The other thing too, obviously big celebration coming up in April, which yes. is a little strange for Division Three to be considering. Uh, we'll have 16 yes. days between championship uh, semifinals and championship for women's basketball. Everybody playing on the same court, WNBA, NBA arena. Um, the difference between the men's and the women's is that the women will be on the same court as the D1 women, a chance to celebrate their championship. I know that's something the WNBA, uh, not the, WNBA, the WBCA and others are, are thrilled about, uh, to get this opportunity to, to celebrate all three divisions. We are. You know, there's been a number of, um, of folks that have led a whole bunch of the women's, women's basketball committees over the years that yeah. have said, this would be a great thing. Is there is there a time where we could pull D1, D2, and D3 together and have a celebration yeah. and have a combined championship? And we're thrilled that it's going to be this April. Yeah. We, from the WBCA's perspective, we have all sorts of great programming that we've set up say, at I'm our sure convention. I'm sure you're pulling out all the stops. We are pulling one. out all the stops. And we, we've created a couple of different um, opportunities for our members that have never gone to a convention oh, okay. or have never been a member um, at the Division Three level. Sure. Uh, and, and hopefully they'll consider at a discounted rate <laughs> coming and joining us so that hopefully they'll come and join us 
in, in the, the future, future again. Sure, makes sense. Um, but but this year should be very very special, and I, I think that it will be awesome to showcase the best of the best from all three divisions in the same city on the same yeah. court. Uh, we're we're excited. Oh. We are excited. Our board is excited, and um, I, I'm sure it will be very special. And uh, I think our student athletes will will really yeah. um, feel the energy of having all three divisions there. I think uh, we're all excited. I know I'm excited about it, but I think the one of the little things in Division Three that's kind of going around is we may have the best player on the court from all three divisions. Well, yes. An interesting little twist you don't normally get to say. Yes. I, I, I you know, <laughs> I have Moss to be. Sydney could make some impressions. I, I if they be, get there. <laughs> I have to be impartial, I know as you, do. you know. However. I'm, I'm biased towards this other division named three. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did. Um, I did attend the oh, D3 championship last year. That's right, that's right. And I got to see her play for the first time. Mm. And she is special. <laughs> yeah, she and is the special. whole team's special. The whole team but is special. And, um, takes it to another level. And I, and I, and I went to the Division Two Elite Eight and, and was also there at the Division One Final Four sure. last year. And, and so There's um, good talent across the board. We shouldn't, by the way, dismiss the other divisions. Our, There's our, great talent across the board. Our, our student-athletes, I mean, it's amazing. I, I was in a couple of conversations um, a few months back, and we were watching game film mm. from 20 years ago wow. for some of the other divisions. And, and it's remarkable to see how advanced our student athletes are at every division oh, that's, yeah, that today than, than 20 years ago. Wow. It, it was remarkable. And so, yes, I think D3 has a lot to be proud of. Yeah. I was very excited, impressed with just, I mean, I thought it was a very well-run tournament. Yes. I thought Sydney was really good. Yes, she is. <laughs> she was really good. She's pretty good. <laughs> and, um, and I'll tell you, the, the other thing with D3 that, that really stood out to me, the first time I visited with their women's basketball committee, there were eight members on the committee, mm -hmm. and six of the eight members were coaches and administrators. And the depth of their consideration for even, all the even details. Even former coaches who are now administrators. It, it, yeah. it, it's really, I mean, Division Three is in great hands, and there are some people who are leading that division in very various ways right. that are invested in our sport and that are in, they're really impressive. Right. And I think our student athletes are, are really lucky to have them lead them. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking all the time to join me here. Well, thanks for having uh, me. I think I've had enough time on the show to take a break. So okay, good. Go back to the studio. But a tradition we have on the show is we always give our guests the final words. So any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in to this marathon of a show? <laughs> sure. I would just I'd begin by, Dave, thanks for your time. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And then to, to everyone who's watching, um, I'm excited. I'm excited about the progress of the WBCA, and I'm excited about the progress across every division and every level of our sport. And I hope you know that we at the office of the WBCA are working tirelessly to make sure that every member of the WBCA, it's that you feel valued and that we are working to serve you at whatever level you are in your career, whatever point in your career you are, whether you're a beginning coach or whether you are one of our legacy and, and you know most powerful coaches. Every single coach is important to us and we are working hard to make sure that you are equipped to be your best every day. So please come and uh, join us and please know that we're ready to serve you. Well said. Well, thank you so very much for joining me. Thanks, and, Dave. And, and so
And that was my interview with Danielle Donahue, the executive director for WBCA. When I was in San Antonio for the NCAA convention, again, it was designed to air uh, at the Hoopsville Marathon to give me a sizable break. But we had some uh, overbooking and some other problems while we couldn't get that on. So I want to thank uh, the WBCA for understanding and letting us run it today as part of the WBCA Center Court. Long, in-depth conversation, obviously, there with Danielle. Uh, appreciate her taking the time to chat. Uh, rather insightful. As well, uh, clearly Division Three has spoken, <laughs> and clearly the division has told the WBCA they're tired of um, being forgotten about. That is what I have gathered from a lot of different things that I've heard in the off season, in the regular season, and what I heard from Danielle. Um, that division is is spoken up, or and and good for them. Absolutely outstanding. They have gone to the WBCA and the rest and said. We want a place here. We think we're important, et cetera. And uh, good on the WBCA, too, to respond accordingly. So uh, good things ahead. And and part of that is them coming on board here with Hoopso. We want to thank them for doing so as well. Going to wrap up the show now. Uh, we told you about the Rochester uh, make. We have that shot and that video. Forgive the quality. Apparently, the version that we got at D3 Hoops is the scrunched down SD version. Imagine this 16 by 9 picture that I've got here. Where are we here? Imagine this 16 by 9 picture scrunched down into 4 by 3, but not cut. Um, and so it is what it is. It, uh, I know Rochester's tried to tweet out their version several times, and I can't seem to get their version to work. But uh, we will show you here. So here's the deal. 2.7 seconds left in overtime. In case you see the third period, that stands for overtime. Rochester uh, is down to Chicago 76-74. They're on the line. Uh, they had been down 76-73, uh, I believe, uh, on the line to shoot two. Yeah, it has to be two because fouls are, in, are, are beyond the limit. So they had, it, had to have made one. They are shooting the second, um, and they are looking to – hold on. I may have an update to this. Um Hold on, I may have a different version than the quality I have, so hang on tight. But basically what I'm trying to get at is that they have um, the – they're shooting a free throw down to 2.7 seconds left. Uh, obviously they need to do something here to solve that. Um, he was shooting three. Thank you, Pat. Pat's updating me here. Um, apologize, I'm trying to give it an update. Um All right, so here's the. We'll just show you what we got here. So he's shooting three. He's got his third one coming, and they're down two. So he's got to got to obviously miss this to get any shot at winning. Because if he makes it with two point seven seconds left, I don't know what the timeout scenario is, um, as it's not on the screen. Uh, Chicago most likely wins this by one. Um, granted, there's several scenarios there that could play out, but they go for the miss. And what transpires next, uh, to say the least, is simply phenomenal. Uh, enjoy this one. This is how Rochester hands Chicago its fourth loss. We don't have any audio here, so I'll, I'll talk it through. Misses it front iron, grabs a rebound, hits his teammate. Three in the corner. Nothing, Nothing but, but net, net 
at the buzzer. Watch it again. Watch his teammate in the upper left. They know what the play is. Defender not there. Pop in the corner. Fender gets there, but it's too late. Big time three at the point. Just unbelievable finish. Again, Rochester losing it or winning and Chicago losing. It's fourth in a row. Listen, you can draw that up anyway twice on Sunday and hope it works. And I don't know how many times I've seen it not work. It worked on this Sunday. Unbelievable. Um, uh, just incredible, to say the least. Um, well done, Rochester. Um, we're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, let me just quickly look. We had some interesting scores on the women's side of UAA as well. Um, let's see. At one point, Emory led WashU 26-19 at the end of the first. Eagles had made uh, three three-pointers in the first quarter. That score has been updated and... Oh, sorry. I don't have an update. Uh, it was at WashU leading, um, and they're now leading 66 56, 48 seconds left to go there. So, despite Emory winning 26 19 to start in the first quarter, WashU outscores them 20 9 in the second quarter, uh, playing pretty even second half. But WashU is going to escape from Emory with a win in women's basketball. Um, Rochester earlier today defeated Chicago 75 64. Um, we had SUNY IT on the show earlier. They're going to win, it looks like, over Bryn Anthon. It's 75-67 with 47 seconds left to go in that game. Uh, Williams has a fight with Connecticut College here. It's 60-56 to with a minute 10 left to go. Looking for some other finals. Millsaps defeated center, 45-37. Um, uh, let's see. Um... Nah, I don't see. Well, let's see. Uh, Lagrange won again, and that's another big game for Lagrange at least to get that victory. So that's on women's side. Nothing else really jumping out at me. Uh, on men's side of things, we mentioned uh, the. We obviously just showed you how Rochester beat Chicago. We should mention, by the way, that game got into overtime because Chicago finished on a fifteen to three run to tie the game at sixty six to force overtime in the first place. Um, Guilford smoking Bridgewater eighty one fifty one. Uh, that's pretty good for them. Uh, LaGrange in a, in a battle with William Peace early, uh, late in the first half, 35-33. Emory defeated WashU. We mentioned that earlier, handing WashU its sixth straight loss. First time since 83-84, I believe, for that to have happened. Carnegie Mellon beat Brandeis. Um, NYU barely got past Case Western Reserve, 80-79. to uh, Colby beats Hamilton in overtime. Hamilton had led some of that game. Colby wins 99-95. Middlebury beat Bowden 78-69. Bowden has been struggling as of late. Um, and Middlebury has been surging just a little bit in a crazy NESCAC. And then some other scores that we don't have yet. Bowden now 9-10 and 10 have lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 of their last 9. To say the least, they are struggling. They have lost 7 of their last 9 games. Middlebury, in the meantime, 14-8. and eight. Have won three in a row and seven of their last eight uh, on the on the opposite side of that. So um, interesting play to say the least. Um, Rochester Athletic says that that play. No, I, I know you keep saying that, guys. You, you're not. I don't know where it is. 
I keep looking for Rochester's version of the play, but we'll figure out how they figure it out. Anyway, uh, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to thank our guests for appearing on the show, including um, uh, Rucker Newark head coach, uh, Joe Longren. I want to thank Wisconsin uh, Lacrosse's head coach uh, as well, Coach uh, Cable, for joining us on the show. Uh, from SUNY uh, Polly, I want to thank uh, Jessica uh, Skelton for joining me on the show, uh, obviously before their game. And, and then I want to thank um, uh, Stephanie Flamini from uh, Guilford for joining me. And, of course, Danielle Donahue from WBCA. We'll be back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We are pretty much on the air 7 o'clock the rest of the, 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 the season until the 28th when we'll go on a little bit earlier to handle all the selection Sunday responsibilities. Um. And we'll have a special show on Monday the 29th as well. So keep an eye out for that. But 7 o'clock Eastern time the rest of the way. Don't forget, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, also on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. We've raised about 37% of our goal, but we'd like to surpass our goal, to be honest. We want your help in doing so. There's plenty of perks you can choose as well to do it. Our goal is uh, 7,500, and we're just a share, shade under 2,800. Please help us uh, cover Division Three basketball the way it deserves to be covered. We will start um, uh, reminding you extensively about this uh, as the season progresses. But if you could do that, it's on Indiegogo. We have plenty of links on our website and on Twitter uh, and Facebook. So please uh, help us out if you get the chance. I want to thank again the SIDs who helped us put this show together today. And uh, look forward to uh, working with more of you down the road as well. Uh, I think that'll do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to get going and we'll get ready for the Super Bowl ourselves. We're a little bit late and want to get off the air. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of us. If you have guest ideas, you know how to get a hold of us. Once again, Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, we'll see you back here on Thursday night.